motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. A to the motherfucking K, homeboy. A to the motherfucking K. Hello, all, and welcome to another episode of A to the K Wrestle Talk podcast. Um, you're probably used to the the flow uh, by now, but. As usual, we're going to go through this week in wrestling, kind of go through the Elimination Chamber, um, chat through the results of that and give our review, and then the usual Raw, uh, NXT, Dynamite, and SmackDown. Um, and then segment two, which you've come to know and love, is the Ringside Report. So we'll be wrapping up all the latest news and rumours um, that we've seen this week. And then our final segment um, will be a little bit of a preview of something that we have planned um so we'll be going through that announcement um of some some stuff you can look forward to um coming soon but as always i'm carl and anthony say hello hey everyone uh glad to be back for another week What's so it? um yeah should we just dive right in carl yeah let's do a kick off with the chamber oh of course yeah what did you make of the chamber mate um do you know what? I, I considering that we've been talking about it for a while, the it's a mm. bit of a bit of a write off. It didn't mean anything because let's let's be honest, we already know what's happening for Mania. I actually thought the actual quality of it was better than some of the other pay per views of, of late, um, in terms of the match types and stuff. Um so all in all I thought I, I was actually pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were some good matches in there. Even the ones that that were totally signposted, and we'll we'll sort of talk in a level of order. Even the ones that were totally signposted, and you knew what the result was going to be, weren't too bad a match to watch. So it, it wasn't a bad pay per view, really. Not the best by any means, but um, I, I would have watched this over Showdown. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, definitely me too. And I think it's mad, really, when you look at the match card because it wasn't even didn't even have a lot of star power on it. To be fair. Um... Which I feel like it seems to be that way on TV a little bit lately as well, which is kind of crazy when they're coming up into Mania. But um, considering the lack of star power, I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's it's funny, really, uh, without digressing, um, well, a couple of minutes in. But um, some of the criticism that AEW gets is is their sort of their lack of star power and their reliance on all WWE stars. I mean, really speaking, that the same can be very much said for WWE. If you look at the the current modern stars, there's a bit of a lack of star power there. And um, when they can, they do rely heavily on old stars, as you can see in in Showdown and, and in coming Raws and Smackdowns. But um, yeah, this was, by all accounts, a quiet one really for that. With yeah. a, a bit of a, a bit of a taker involved at, at one point, wasn't it? But yeah, I suppose it was a little bit refreshing in that sense. But at the same time. You know, did hinder it a little bit because you didn't have that, you know, major, you know, main event kind of feel that you would do from from other pay per views. Yeah, if it went for the actual elimination elimination chamber match, it probably would have felt like a normal week, really. Um, a good example of that would be if if we start going into the matches, the um, the Daniel Bryan versus uh, Drew Gulak. Um, that's something you'd expect to see on on a standard weekly show. Um. And weirdly, they built it up over a couple of weeks and had it as a as a pay per view match. And to be fair, it was a good match. I enjoyed that match. Me too. I think, um, in fairness, you know, the two of the the more technical 
gifted wrestlers um, on the roster today, and it was good to kind of see. I've, I'm not very well uh, well versed with Drew Gulak, to be fair, but seeing him against Brian, who obviously is one of the master uh, technicians out there, you know, he, I really thought he held his own and kind of, kind of, you know, elevated himself to me anyway. Who doesn't really know him that well? No, um, I totally agree. I was in a very similar boat. I don't really know Drew. Um, I know the name. He, he's been knocking around. He hasn't really been given any sort of push, but I haven't seen a lot of him in the ring. And what the reason I think I enjoyed the match so much is I was there with Brian. Like, by the end of the match, he had my respect as well. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. I was, actually, yeah, you put on a damn good show. Um, and that was kind of what they did storyline-wise, where Daniel Bryan was kind of like, God, he didn't even tap out. He's, you know, and uh, they, they sort of played that role. And it, I, I like that. It's a bit different as, as stories go. Um, it was just strictly a good good guy versus bad guy kind of deal. Um, but, yeah, I think that kind of helped me enjoy it because it's like, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's a good come up for him. You look at him and go, yeah, I'd probably enjoy any future matches he's in. It'd be interesting to see where they go with it story-wise. I think, um, I think on, on a previous podcast, I, I said I didn't really know where they were going to go with Brian after the whole Fiend feud that he had. Um, I definitely wasn't expecting it to go this direction. It kind of came out of nowhere a little bit, but it, you know, it has been a little kind of enjoying to kind of watch him, um, you know, have this game plan and you know tell all the all the wrestlers like he knows how to beat Daniel Bryan. And it was interesting to see in the match, you know, him trying to execute that game plan. He he pulled off, you know, some of Bryan's own moves with the um, Mexican surfboard, um, things like that, which yeah, I thought was, was exactly. It was good to see that you see him play it like like he has studied him, and um, that it was really good. Like the way he was countering some of the, some of the Daniel stuff, and you go, well, yeah, it, it really comes across like like what he was saying was true that he has analysed it all and he, he can beat him. Um, obviously, unfortunately for him, he didn't. But uh, you know, it wasn't for the ones to try, and, and it was a it was a, it was a good, very good match to watch. And yeah, like you say, he's a lot more technically gifted than I realised. Yeah, I think he he kind of. It stood out to me that he could hold his own technically against Brian, which, you know, isn't the easiest thing to do. So, you know, fair play to the guy. Yeah. No, I think if anything's going to give him a good push, a good elevation, it's it's um, having that with Brian, like you say. While he didn't win, he, he's come out looking really well from it and it's hard to go toe-to-toe with that man. I mean, he's he's been top of the company and uh, probably will be again at some point in his career. Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, obviously, the next match we had um, Andrade and Humberto. Um, I've been, I must admit, from a storyline perspective, I've been finding it hard to get into these two. Um, that being said, I can see something in, in Angel Garza. I think he's he's a future star right there. But um, I've not really been following the, this story. Too. I think some of what didn't help was Andrade going on his suspension as well. Kind of took away from the whole thing. But um, I didn't have a lot invested in this match. It was a decent match, but um, it's certainly not one for me that I would sort of write home about, as it were. No, I think you've hit the nail on the head there when you, you mentioned, obviously, the unfortunate timing of Andrade's wellness violation. Um, I think what they did by bringing Garza up, you know, it was very good for him because it gave him the opportunity to shine and get that kind of um, main audience. Um, and I think he's doing really well with it. But it feels like they went down that little Umberto Garza few thing and then they've just gone back to the original um Andrade Umberto thing and as you said I'm not massively invested in this like don't get me wrong you know they're very 
very good Lucha Libre style wrestlers and they always put on a good match. I think this one was probably one of the better matches that, that they've had together. Um, I think what shocked me is that we're both here saying, you know, we're not really that invested in it. But I think, um, I think if I remember rightly, the fans seemed really into this match, um, which did surprise me. I think they even had a this is awesome chance at one point, um, which, you know, considering we're not invested in them, it, it just... It, they must be doing something right, I guess. But for me, I just no, don't have any kind of point. emotional investment in it. No, I totally agree. Uh, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because I mean, obviously, by by no means are we the the say so on wrestling. So it does show you that sometimes our opinion can massively differ to what the uh, to what the the WWE universes they were um, are thinking, and they did seem to be really behind this. But for me, um, I I preferred Humbert. Uh, Humberto, sorry, versus uh, Angel Garza. Uh, they had that sort of family feud to it. It it felt sort of not too serious, but you know you could get behind the feud. And I, I don't know, I just enjoyed it more. And then for me, it was a bit sort of jarring when Andrade come back, and it was like, right, we'll sideline that and put put that sort of feud back together. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously people have seen something in it and they are good wrestlers. I'm not going to discredit them and it was a good match. I just, for, yeah, I just didn't have the investment in it myself. Yeah, I think it was interesting because I don't think Umberto's been very well booked of late, but it was interesting that Andrade had to do um, a, a pull of the tights, you know, on the roll-up in order to get the win. So I think they were trying to maybe claw back a bit of redemption for, you know, the poor booking that Umberto's been through. But um, all in all, yeah. one of the better matches they've had, but... I wasn't that into it um, as a whole, just because I'm not into that storyline. In terms of poor book, and I suppose Humberto's took the brunt of, of the the violation, the change in storyline, the being on the losing side of it repeatedly, um, it, it, it probably does help a little bit in that sense because um, he's not really come out well from the feud, I'll be honest. Mm. And um, Right, we'll go on to the, the first, well, i say the first, probably... No, there was there was two chamber matches in total, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so we had the, the tag chamber, which was a little bit different. Um, I think we have seen one before, haven't we? But um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it, but there were certain tag teams there that you're like, well, do they even need to be? Or they're just there to fill out spots, aren't they? Really, um, Luch House Party is probably the main one I'm going to reference to there. Um, it was useful in the sense that they could they could keep the um, Heavy Machinery versus Ziggler and well, I say sort of Ziggler. It's basically Otis versus Ziggler in it, but mm-hmm. um, it was nice to see that bit of progression in there. But we all knew that the result was going to come down to, uh, or certainly for me anyway, the result was always going to come down to either the Usos or uh, Miz and Morrison. Um, it just that that's sort of how they've been signposting it right up to now. And then obviously, typically we got uh, what I was kind of hoping for, but quite expected as well in Miz and Morrison taking the titles or retaining the titles, sorry. Yeah, I don't think it it was a very surprising match. Um I think it it was it was difficult to follow at times because I think there was ten there was a point where they were all in there together. And I think normally on, on a chamber match you might have, you know, six or maybe at most eight, but there was ten of them in there all trying to do their own yeah. stuff and get up get their own spots off. Um so it was quite difficult. I think um, in fairness, uh, as you've said, like it didn't probably didn't need all them teams, and like we mentioned, uh, Lucha House Party. But at the same time, I, I actually they were the standouts for me in this um, Lucha House Party. I thought some of the stuff they did, um, 
even though they botched a, a little bit of it. Um, but the stuff they yeah. did, it was like they were the big spots and, and the memorable spots um, when I think back to that match. Um, so they did actually quite impress me, uh, Lucha House Party, in that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's a fair point. I'm probably getting too wrapped up in the, the storyline elements of going, what's the point in them even being here? But yeah. I, I do take your point from a from a wrestling standpoint. Um, in terms of the big spots, they were they were probably the guys involved each time. Um, but yeah, I just... I suppose I get too wrapped up in kayfabe in that sense. I'm like, well, what, what, what's the fucking point? Why are you here? Well, I mean, but, um, it's valid though, isn't it? Because they have they have literally just gone, oh, we'll, we'll throw this tag team in and this tag team in and it doesn't really make sense. Like, you get the kind of New Day, Usos, um, and Miz and Morrison, like little mini feud and you get yeah, the, because you they, get the Ziggler and think, this thing. Yeah, I think that's probably it, that they've not involved them at all right up until the Chamber. Mm. And it's like, well, everyone, like, it wasn't a massive thing between the New Day and the Usos, but there was a little bit there. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, they, you know, there was a little touch of, oh, we could beat you, we could beat you, and so on. So, it, I don't know, like, like, like you say, it's, it, it wouldn't have took much to build them into it, even just the week before, or a couple of weeks before. Um, it just very much felt like, well, there's a spare, spare space in the chamber if you want it. <laughs> Yeah, they probably went, oh, shit, there's an, there's an extra chamber there. Oh, we'll just put your yeah. house party in it, damn it. <laughs> That's what, Vince was just back there going, wait, there's how many chambers? <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a bad match. Like you say, it was probably a bit busy, but you're probably always going to have that trouble as well with a, with a tag team chamber match. Um, but overall, not, not bad. Yeah. It seems to be the, 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 my whole mentality for this pay-per-view. Just, I mean, it wasn't bad. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, right so we had uh, AJ versus Alistair uh, as the next one uh, how did you feel about this one Carl? underwhelmed I'd say like they, they built, built it up as it being an ODQ thing which straight away you know you're going oh well obviously the OC are going to get involved in it um, and uh, you know typically they did it was just I don't know. I just felt really underwhelmed by it. And I think in, in the previous episode when we were doing our predictions, it was really predictable and obvious to me that Take could get involved with this. Um, and then Alistair would end up winning it. So it, it just, yeah, it writes itself. But at the same time, that's not always a good thing because if, if you're literally not, if, if it's so obvious, then is it really that good? Do you know what I mean? Um, so underwhelmed, I'd say, to describe it, which is a shame because I was actually quite looking forward to seeing AJ and Alistair. But meh. No, no, I um, I totally agree. And arguably, on paper, it should be a good match. They are good um, wrestlers. Uh, I've had some issue with Alistair's booking so far. Anyway, um, yeah, as I moaned about last week when they, they booked him to have not read his contract, just because. Um, and this time, it's just like, well, you know, you've you've agreed to an ODQ match, knowing exactly what's going to happen in the sense of them interrupting and us as an audience know exactly what's going to happen in kayfabe and that take is going to interrupt uh, and and cost him it in some way. You did touch on something and we still don't know what's going to happen just yet, but you did touch on something, I think it was last week, where you suggested that the Taker match at WrestleMania might not be as straightforward as AJ and Taker, mm. um, which would be interesting um, if they're going to include Alistair in some way. I'd be interested to see that, in all honesty. I think it, it. I can still see it happening because I don't know where Alistair goes from here. So after his AJ thing, if AJ and Taker are definitely a thing now, and he's calling him out, I'd, like 
what what happens to Alistair. They've they've done a good job. Um, well, they've done an okay job in building him up in terms of the level of opponents he's managed to get wins over. But like, if if he's not involved with AJ, then where, where does he go for Mania, which is around the corner? So strange one. Yeah, it's um, it is a strange one, and hopefully they don't try and do something with the OC because no offense to them. Um, you know they were really big in New Japan by all accounts, but they, they, they you know, uh, they've just not been anything really since they come into this. The best thing they could have done was was team with AJ, but even so, they they're just there to job out, aren't they? Really? Yeah. But uh, yeah, again, typically of this pay per view, it was another okay match. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> so um, probably, I dare say. My least favourite match of the night was uh, the next one, the tag titles, Three Profits versus uh, Murphy and Rollins. Um, and again, just because, what the fuck, you know? It it just felt like a raw match, this. It was like, it had no place on a, a pay-per-view card. It was just the same shit we see every week. <laughs> um, and it was just yeah, all, quite every week. <laughs> and it's... Uh, yeah, you had the street, the street profits, street profits, and you had Rollins and Murphy. But then, you know, they can never just be in it themselves. Obviously, AOP have got to get involved. Then, obviously, the fucking Viking Raiders out of nowhere have to get involved. Like, why are they? Why are they even fucking part of this? Do you know what I mean? And then, I obviously, honestly, Owens would have to get involved. So it's just every every episode of it, Raw. <laughs> yeah, it was an unnecessary mess. I'd have had more respect for this match had it have been a clean match, just one tag team versus another. They could have built the street profits up. They could have done a nice victory for them, and it would have been boss. I would have I would have enjoyed it more. Uh, but I don't know what the mentality is with Raw at the minute. But it's like something has to happen, and they think that that's what makes it exciting. When in actual fact, that's what's making it sort of annoying and boring. Yeah. And but I if think... you look at most happens on Raw at the minute, it's like interruption or this happens or that, and you're like, just have a fucking straight match. They can't do it. Like they literally have to get involved all the time and. I completely agree. It was the, my least favourite match on the whole card. And it literally just felt like I, I'd just seen it on Raw, you know, the week before. So it was like... Great. Yeah. And the thing is, um, I'm, I'm a little... Uh, my memory's gone a little bit on this. Who did, Was it uh, Street Profits won this match or was it actually uh, Rollins and Murphy? No, Street Profits. I think Owens got involved, um, caused a disruption. Because I know that um, they they sort of originally won the titles on Raw, didn't they? Which was mm. unusual in itself. And I, I quite, sorry, I just lost me for a second. Whether this was a rematch or not, but even so, <laughs> like you say, we, we've seen these things, and I don't even mind them as uh, a tag. Well, I'm not. They're not my favourite tag team, but I don't mind them as a tag team. You know, it's um, I think again something you've touched on in previous podcasts. It's nice to see when they're they're actually uniform and they have a name and and they feel like a deliberate tag team and not something that's been slapped together. Um, and I'm glad to see the titles on them, but I still sit there and go to myself, why weren't the authors of pain given a shot with the belts and booked like monsters? I don't get it. Well, that's it. You've got a, you've got a tag team there who are you know dressed the same and have got a, a proper name in in the AOP, and then you kind of put them in a little faction with Rollins and Murphy and give them the tag. Up. It just I think we both yeah. agree it didn't make any fucking sense. And they're both 
they're both built like brick shit houses, so they could have easily just held the titles and and tore through whatever tag teams were thrown. Even if you put these slap together tag teams against them, and they could have made them look strong for weeks, and then maybe had them go against Street Profits and and even maybe let the Street Profits beat them, and then it would have been a lot more of a, a victory in that sense. They would have earned it a lot more. They would have got the crowd over a lot more. But instead, we get this mess. I can only think that's where it's leading to because there's obviously going to be a Seth and um, Owens thing. So Murphy's going to have to be dropped, isn't he? Let, let's be honest, because if he's not in a tag team with Rollins anymore because Rollins will be focused on Owens, then it, where does he... Yeah, I mean, they, they certainly, without without moving too far away from Elimination Chamber, they do certainly seem to be pushing it to the to Seth getting pissed off with Murphy. Hmm. Um, maybe pushing him away. But... Um, without pulling too much away from kayfabe. I believe uh, Murphy is a Paul Heyman guy, isn't he? Oh, really? I, I so, yeah, by all accounts, he's a, he's a Paul Heyman. It's been Paul Heyman pushing for him sort of in the main event, or in the Rollins stable, as it were, and getting that bit of a push. So, um, I don't know. It, it, it makes me think that he might stick around in some sense just because Paul Heyman's doing a lot of the or working behind the scenes a lot on the writing. Um, that being said, he was also a ricochet guy. Um, so, you know, it's not like Vince isn't going to bury someone that Paul Heyman likes because he certainly fucking will. Well, that's it. But, but he's, he's just gone, hasn't he? He's literally dead and buried, Paul Ricochet. Well, and obviously, that twenty-four seven that that fucked him. Well, that's it, and yeah, I feel like it's important that you know because he is our number one listener. So I think it's important to. Give him a shout out and just say that you know we hope you come back stronger, Ricochet, um, because you can't come back any fucking weaker. So that's it. I mean, you know, have you heard of NXT? You know, they need people. <laughs> mm. Interesting. We say it from a place of love, Rick. <laughs> but um, yeah, and <laughs> you know what? I did say that taking the piss, but maybe maybe um, he does need to to sort of move away from. Not even necessarily raw. Move away from Vince. Go to NXT. Stick around Triple H. He seems to have his head screwed on a bit better, and build yourself back up, man. I mean, that was just—it was just upsetting. I'd, I, I would kill to see a Ricochet and Finn Balor match. Can you imagine? That would be a really good match to watch. So who knows? But I well, mean, it doesn't I mean, you might have to go all the way to on the main brand. Hey, the Ricochet. You'd have to go all the way to the UK for that one. I think by. Right now, oh, is there, so, is, is Bala on NXT UK now? I don't know if he's on there yet, because uh, it's one of the shows we don't watch or cover. I don't think, <laughs> but um, he was making noise about going for the UK title, and then I saw a promo of some sort where he was holding his passport or a picture where he was holding his passport. So I think the suggestion is he's he's heading out that way. Well, you know, I think I think. He, he might actually fit in well, Ricochet, in, in the NXT UK brand. You know, you've got the Irish Finn Balor and then the Irish Rick O'Shea. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, they can. Yeah, they could totally redo his gimmick. That'll be spot on. Just needs a good Irish accent. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah. So tag titles. The yeah, they weren't even okay. It was shit. It was awful. You booked it wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then we had another confusing mess. Not the worst match on the on the cards. That that's still the tag titles, but um, the IC title three on one. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. What was that? 
Mm-hmm. Like the, the what the what the fuck happened? Like I feel I actually feel sorry for Bron. Yeah. I think he's like never held a belt before in his life. By all account. I didn't realise that, but there you go. Never held a title before. And then he gets it and then loses it. To Sami Zayn. I mean, I was surprised as fuck about that. I mean, in fairness, they didn't do a very good job of explaining the rules. I didn't know how it was going to work, whether it was, um, you know, the, the person who pins and wins the belt or, you know, if, if any of the three of them pin him, then Shinsuke would win it. I didn't know if it was all three of them in there against um, Braun at once or whether, the, you know, they ultimately went down the, you know, you'd have to be tagged in approach. So they did a fucking awful job of explaining what to expect, but... I mean, I was hella surprised the fact that Zayn won it because that just came out of nowhere. See, this is one of them surprises though, where it's not a good surprise. <laughs> that's like, that's like me going, do you know? What? I was surprised that um, Hornswoggle turned up and pinned Brock. <laughs> like, yeah, that's pretty shocking, but it's not a good shock. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know if 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 that happens to me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's and what I don't get. Like from a from a storyline point of view, Sami Zayn's pinned him and picked the title up and ran off, going yeah. So I'm there going, okay, is that how it works? Because like you say, they didn't really explain it. And then I thought, could that be a story that it wasn't fully clear? So Sami thinks he's the title holder, and then Shinsuke is going to get pissed off, and then it's going to split them up and and maybe cause a feud there. But I, without moving into another show, that's not what's happened. Everyone's mm-hmm. fine with it. Even Shinsuke's like, yeah, you're the champ now. Yeah, and then you, from a booking point of view, you go, why did you ever put your title on the line like this, Shinsuke? Fucking hell, the fuck was this? Yeah, so anyone, what that felt, it may, basically was a four-way match. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it was a fatal four-way where two of them didn't fucking know it was a fatal four-way. So basically, Sami Zayn's pulled off a fucking masterclass. I think. Let's be honest. Yeah, he's got two people to win a fucking belt for him. <laughs> it's genius, really. Yeah, to be honest, the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm like, actually, yeah, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it just puzzles me. They've not, they've not even moved it into like a Shinsuke being annoyed over that. That being said, in re- by all accounts, in real life, Shinsuke is not too thrilled with uh, with his bookings. But um, yeah, well, how would you not be pissed off with that? Strange. It doesn't make any sense, does it? it? It's almost as though it hasn't been very well thought through. <sighs> I know. It's almost as if they don't really write these things properly. Yeah. Hmm. It's as if a creepy old man turns up when he feels like and just tears the storylines apart. Maybe not that. Not naming Maybe that could. Nah, surely not. You know, for the sake of anonymity, we'll call him V McMahon. <laughs> or Vince M, whichever works. <laughs> uh, sorry, I stole that from The Simpsons, I'll be honest. Um, right, and then we move on to, I imagine this was the main event, the Women's Chamber match. Yeah, I think you go from now, something big surprise, big shock to what we knew all along. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the the bit I did get from it, and I don't know how you felt about this, but she she dominated. Mm. Um, didn't expect it to go as, as clean cut as that. She fucking ruined everyone. Um, yeah, it, it was more the way the match went out, really, that, that surprised me. I'm like, they didn't really... Not that they needed to help anyone's cause, but you know everyone's talking a big game uh, before it, 
and then she just tore through them all. And there's some there's some really good women's wrestlers there. There's some like um, Asker and the like. So yeah, that was strange. Yeah, I I believe this was another Paul Heyman call. I think it was it was something he tried to um, make happen for CM Punk back in the day, was to have him go through and submit everyone and be um, you know like this big dominant force. So it was interesting that they gave Shayna that kind of that level of, of rub, I guess, because um, apparently Vince wasn't that that big on her um, of late. Yeah, apparently he wasn't too keen on rubbing her. No. <laughs> um, well, you know, <laughs> who would? Um, yeah, so <laughs> I think it was it was interesting. It was definitely a, a big push um, for her by allowing her to kind of dominate the whole chamber in that way. But at the same time, not not surprising because. You know, it's as we said before. If if she wouldn't have won the fucking thing, you know, would Becky just forget about it anyway? Like it was the most pointless match ever because it was so fucking like, and to be the main event as well, it was just so obvious. Um, it just felt pointless. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pointless. It was almost as uh, as pointless as having a men's chamber, which they went nah, fuck it. Because uh, we all knew Roman was going to get the title match. In fact, they went, yeah, don't even try. <laughs> so it still pisses me off. That I'll moan about that a little bit later, <laughs> right? When we talk SmackDown. But uh, yeah, that still bugs me. It's like, yeah, fuck it. He's, he's asked for the match. He'll get the match. Um, <laughs> but one bit that worries me now with um, Baszler is if she doesn't win against Becky. And it's a problem I had with The Fiend in the sense that they book them as this beast, yeah? Mm. And then you go, yeah, they're, they're unstoppable. You know, she's just tore through a, a load of really good women's wrestlers. Uh, same way The Fiend was unbeaten by a lot of really good wrestlers. And um, then if Becky wins, like Goldberg won, you then go, right, so is the inference here that Becky can just beat all of these people who, in actual fact, she's lost to some of them in the past? And to me, it's like they need to now follow through with it and have her win. They need her to be the unstoppable force. Um, and I, I'm a bit worried that they're not going to do that because Vince is very up and down on her. I mean, it is it is going to be interesting to see how they handle it because I think Becky feels quite stale as champion now. Um, she's nowhere near as white hot as she was, you know, last WrestleMania. She's still over, you know. She still gets a good um, yeah crowd reaction. I think. For- Luckily, she's still selling merch for them, so she's not going anywhere anytime soon. And I say luckily for her because, as far as I'm concerned, she is just fucking awful on the mic. <laughs> she, she's just, and I, if she was meant to be annoying, then I'd, I'd go, all right, she's doing what she's meant to do. I don't think she's meant to be annoying. I think she just naturally is. So. I, I I can't I I can't I lose interest every time she's on the fucking microphone. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, in which case you're gonna have to tell me what a promo was this week, by the way. <laughs> well, it, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll come on to that um, <laughs> when, yeah, when we go through Raw. But I, I don't think um, I don't think any of her promos have been very good of late. That one with the um, the brown paper bag where she's paying a paying a fine up front that pissed me off. Um, yeah. It's just yeah. shit. I think um, the they make it very confusing with her because she's she's so badass, but then there's a lot of other stuff happening on the show 
that's more badass. And it's like, it's almost like they're not looking at what else is happening around her. Um, and I made that point with the paper bag thing, but the fact that she paid a fine on the same day that Randy Orton's like battering people with chairs, it's like, well, okay, did does he pay a fine? Like, Not exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all you've done is say stuff, and I'm confident Shayna Baszler never mentioned the fine, and she bit you. Well, exactly. I think I think they, yeah. they're trying to give her like the stone cold um, thing, but like I think I think you called it out on a previous episode where. After she got bits, she then drove herself to the fucking hospital and then very politely drove <laughs> the ambulance back. It was like, oh, yeah, you're so, such a badass. <laughs> yeah, so weird. That was such a weird booking. Um, so I can't even remember where I saw it now, but it was, um, I think it might have been last week's Raw rather than the one we're going to talk about, where she came out and it was, it was suggested that it was like she's sort of trying to copy... Conor McGregor in terms of the cocky attitude and the dress style and that. Um, and the more I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I wonder if that's what she's trying to mirror. But obviously he does it in, in UFC, in actual fights in which he's trying to sort of psych someone out. So it has merit, whereas she's doing it, I don't know, to be a dick. Yeah, I don't know saying he can't be a dick, but there's like a deliberate... It's it's cerebral in a sense, isn't it? He's, he's deliberately trying to put people down and psych them out before a match where she's just talking shit and trying to sound cocky. Well, that's it. I think I think when, when McGregor does it, he, he comes across um, quite cocky, but at the same time, he's like, he's he's entertaining and you kind of, you know, you enjoy it. Whereas, as, as you've already said, when she does it, she can come across more annoying than like humorous a lot of the time. So, mm, yeah, strange one. Yeah, I mean, even some of the stuff, like some of the insults that she throws at Shayna, I think in her head they were really funny, and yet no one's laughing, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, we can talk more about that promo when we go on to Raw. Um, so, yeah, so in terms of, that's all the matches for me, uh, in terms of a rating, I, 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 it was okay, as I've said a couple of times, it was, it was an okay pay-per-view. Um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's um, this was very much a, a normal week, really. I did not been for the chamber; it just felt like a normal raw or whichever. Um, and for me, it was it was a two star pay per view. Okay, I think um, I think I scored it only marginally higher at two and a half, and I think it was more the fact that it surprised me. It was better than I thought it was going to be. But at the same time, it was still a nothing pay-per-view and it was still very predictable with the exception of Sammy winning the um, IC title. So all in all, it definitely didn't you know, blow me away. But I think some of the matches in there, so Brian and Gulak, uh, I thought Andrade and Humberto's match was the, the best one they've had. Um, and the tag chamber was, was pretty good as well. Um, so considering them, I think it was probably, um, you know, around middle of the road. I think it was a better pay-per-view than WWE have been putting on of late. But at the same time, it was still just fucking pointless because, you know, other than the, yeah. the Sami Zayn thing, I think it was all very predictable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than the Sami Zayn part, if they'd have not had this pay-per-view, wouldn't have really made a difference. Yeah. They could have just told us Shane was going to go into the, the title match and that would have been fine. And yeah, nothing else would have changed. Um, yeah, so that's that's our thoughts on the Elimination Chamber. Now, um, 
So, Carl, do you want to go over Raw this week? Yeah, um, I mean, I'll try and keep it brief, even though, you know, it's a three-hour fucking slog every <laughs> week. Um, so there's still a lot to get through, but um, it kicked off with a, the Becky, you know, a Becky promo, as we've just been discussing then, um, which, again, was pretty flat. It was just kind of a the same old shtick of her going, oh, well, you know, you won, so I'm going to fight you, you know, or... You, you you come from a cage and I'm I'm not I'm not meant to beat you but I am going to beat you um, and she just waffled on and didn't really have anything to say and then surprisingly didn't get interrupted or there was no interference whatsoever and then she just left and it was just like okay <laughs> yeah yeah very paint by numbers yeah it was just like yeah. I, you think you can beat me and I think I can beat you and we'll see it's like yeah that's Pretty much where we were with it, yeah. Well, that's it. It didn't even seem like you know, the, you know, where she's trying to be badass and stuff like that. It was just more of a. It's almost like, oh well, I'm I, I should be scared of you, but I've I've been beating people who you know they say I can't beat, so you're just going to be another one. Um, okay, thanks, bye. And it was just like what a weird way to open up the show. <laughs> yeah, it just felt very awesome. unusual. Um, but. As I, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm not a big fan of any of her promos anyway. But this out of out of her promos, this was probably the weakest one I've seen. Yeah, it just it, it just lacked substance. I think considering you know a couple of weeks ago, Shane would bit a fucking chunk out your neck, um, and then she's gone on and won the chamber, which is obviously her desired outcome because she wants to exact revenge for that. Just seemed like she was didn't really have much to say. See, I think, I think they've done the neck biting thing just way too soon, mm. because if she'd have not really had any feelings towards Shayna up until the chamber, and then Shayna won it, and then Becky's doing a promo and she come out and then it all kicked off and she bit her, then you could keep that anger about being bitten fueled until Mania. Whereas right now she bit her that long ago, that many weeks ago, that the anger's plateaued. So you're like. Becky should be mad about this, but she's had plenty of weeks to be mad about this. So we're kind of just like, yeah, that happened ages ago, Becky, get over it. You know, that's a very good point. I, I feel like they have just done it in the wrong order. Like, if she would have been open to all challenges and, you know, she'd beat them all and she'll beat anyone else and then Shayna dominates the chamber the way she did. Um, then Exactly. Then comes out How simple would it have been? How simple could it have been? Right. They don't mention Baszler at all until chamber we have a surprise entrance in the chamber blacked out chamber like they've done in the past it's Shayna she comes out wrecks everyone and then like wow she's going to go into the title picture that came out of nowhere and then she goes into the feud with Becky Mm. it would have been so much easier would have been better for us as the viewers I don't get why they didn't do it I mean come on Heyman <laughs> I'm telling you, anyone listening to this, so you know, Ricochet, if you want to, you know, get your job back, just go and go and uh, slip this on to Paul Heyman or or to Vinny Vinny M, um, and then maybe they can get some good storylines going. Um, but yeah, damn right. All in all, pretty flat way to open Raw, um, and then the first match of the night was the other two Mexicans. So you know, at the Chamber we had Umberto and Andrade. So then it was. You have to have Ray versus um, Gaza for some reason. Um, well, so. of course, because Ray, Ray's around, so naturally he's put into a match against uh, any other lucha. That well, makes that, sense. Yeah, so 
Um, they have that match. Um, I thought Garza, he's, he kind of reminds me a little bit of um, Rick Rude with with this gimmick. I think on the way to the ring, he, he went, out, went up and um, kissed one of the female fans. He's meant to be like this ladies' man thing, isn't he? I still don't understand yeah. the relationship between him and Zelina Vega because, you know, in kayfabe, it's meant to be Zelina and Andrade, a, a couple or something. Um, so no, Carl, I think uh, I think they made it very clear in a backstage promo. It's purely business. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it, so I don't understand. Yeah, I just don't understand why they're together. That feels like another one where we've got a, you know, Latina valet. Let's stick her with another Mexican. Yeah, it just seems weird. But um, yeah, the match itself. And was, uh, I think it. Sorry, I was going to say the match itself was okay, but um, they had Ray win it. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure who that helped. <laughs> like, he, yeah. So mm. get back in your place. <laughs> that's that's what it was. Yeah. So raise the raise the flippy spinny guy around here for fuck's sake. <laughs> but it was like, um, so I, I was harping on about Selena Vega, but it's it's because she she may as well just not even be fucking be in there. Shouldn't do anything. Shouldn't do any like heel tactics, any distractions, anything to you know help. Yeah, it's like that's a good point. Like, what what were you there for? Exactly. So it's for like a row seat. Yeah, so it's it's not very good business if, if that's what the relationship is because you did fuck all and Ray won. And <laughs> yeah, random. Yeah, I never, I never considered it like that. Um, to be honest, I think her being a valet is kind of hindering. I mean, she can wrestle, right? I've seen her wrestle before. She's not bad. Yeah, apparently, apparently so. I, 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 don't really, I don't really recall any of her stuff. Um, how good she is. Well, if, if you'd like it, uh, I don't know if you recall her from this, Carl, but uh, have you seen Fighting With My Family? Oh, shit, yeah. Did she play AJ? She played AJ Lee. That's mad, that. And uh, it's available on, available on Netflix right now. Did you know that? Oh, Netflix. Interesting. Netflix, yeah. Yeah. For just nine ninety nine a month, probably. <laughs> <laughs> just, a quick, uh, just a quick word from our sponsors. Are you stuck at home in isolation with coronavirus? <laughs> Do you want a Netflix and chill? Well, you can also watch Fighting With My Family, starring Zelina Vega as AJ. Nice. I'm a back. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What a segue. <laughs> um, yeah. And to be fair, I imagine Netflix subscriptions will be going up with this whole corona thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, just, so, so will probably, um, you know, the population, because... While it's uh, killing killing the old generation off, if you're stuck at home with fuck all to do, you are going to Netflix and chill, and then the new generation will arrive. So, yeah, in about nine months, <laughs> it's going to be a fair a busy point, Christmas. Uh, <laughs> um, as a quick side note, before we go into the next match, it was it was good to see um, Raw obviously uh, just before I think all the. Um, I don't want to say panic stations because there is legitimately something going on, but um, they were able to be in front of an audience, um, which sadly wasn't the case for for the rest of it. And I think NXT got a small audience, but it was all from the performance center. Was uh, I think Raw was the last um, actually stadium booked uh, event this week. Yeah, I think um, it's it's going to be going to be weird, isn't it, to see to see it go ahead um, without any fans in attendance, but. Um, you know, I suppose we will fondly remember this this version of Raw just for the fans alone, um, for the at least for the short. This period. is the this is going to be the thing. This is um, sadly memorable 
for all the wrong reasons, but we're probably not going to forget this sort of these few weeks in wrestling right now, or the the mania that nearly won't happen. Uh, it's going to be crazy. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't even know how it's going to play out, but um, I'm sure we'll we'll chat through that in the ringside report. But yeah, it's crazy times. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, yeah. So yeah, Ray v Gaza. Yeah, weird that Ray won. Totally yeah. agree. Just yeah, again, just felt like more filler. Um, and then there was your other and a, and a nice big squash. <laughs> well, yeah. So there was um, straight into another promo because obviously they like having this little uh, format that they have. Um, so this promo was yeah, paid by numbers. Well, yeah. Um, this time it was Charlotte um, coming out, and for some reason, again, like it doesn't make sense. Like I get that you, you need to keep it in people's minds that you're having this match at WrestleMania and stuff, but just comes out every week and just says fuck all and then woos. And then this time, um, Ray Ripley comes out um, and kind of goes face to face with her and then does a, like a really botched like slap punch. Um, and then Charlotte throws herself to the floor. It was just, yeah, it was just, it was bad. If anything, yeah. it, it hindered the build for that then helped it in my opinion. Well, you'll be pleased to know we get more of that on NXT. <laughs> Yay, can't wait. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, so then that happened, and then straight into another match, which was um, a Lashley uh, versus Zack Ryder match, and it was just a straight-up squash thing. It lasted probably around a minute, if that. Um, just absolutely squash Ryder. Um, so I don't, I don't really understand. Oh, Ryder. Well, exactly. I don't. Like, I, f- I feel so bad for that guy. I, w- I was made up when he won the IC title at Mania um, a few years back after everything that he went through and stuff um, with all those fucking shitty angles and trying to do stuff for himself and then not getting rewarded for it. But to now see him back with, um, what's the other fella called? Um, uh, Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah, so they're kind of a part part tag team, part not. Um, but yeah, I don't understand what's going on with Lashley because... Um, I think apparently Lana was filming a movie or something, which is why she wasn't there. But I, I don't know what what they're trying to do with him. I, on the one, like a few weeks ago, he was he was nothing. He didn't he didn't even bill him as a monster. He just kind of came out, lost most of his matches, um, or beat Rusev, and that was it. And then now they're kind of trying to make him squash people just out of nowhere. So yeah, yeah. And then where's Rusev? I take it he just just doesn't care anymore. Like. Yeah. No idea. He's had his moment. He's, he's done with it. The, he's just sort of disappeared now. No more feud. And I don't even feel like they ended that properly, I'll be honest. Well, do they ever end anything properly? I hope, he, I hope he's not do, getting well, any... Do you honestly remember like a big match between Lashley and Rusev over this? Because uh, I, I genuinely don't. I don't remember them finishing this. No, I think they had a few, but they just kept going and kept going. And then... He was meant to be. Yeah, in, I'm just. Um, I was waiting for that that one big match, that one big pay per view match where it's like, yeah, that's it done. You know, kind of like that massive, big, huge match between Corbin and Roman Reigns. Which one? You know, where you go. <laughs> that that uh, the sixth one. Oh yeah. Right, where you go. That, this is definitely done now. <laughs> and then they have a cage match after, but you know something that makes you go right. That that that's the feud done, and it just felt like it was like, oh, is it done? Okay. I still maintain they should have done a, a Lana on a pole match. They should have, yeah. The only way yeah. to end that feud. Um, yeah. yeah, so... Well, you know, she was, uh, she was on the casting couch this week, so uh, <laughs> she might not be in the WWE. That's, that's the right terminology, right, Carl? 
sounds right to me. Um, so, yeah, so again, that match happened for some reason. Um, and then the next one, I'm kind of fuming about to be honest. Um, so they had, uh, they had Drew, yeah, um, and Eric Rowan face off, and yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> so, I don't get this. So, they've been they've been building Drew up now, um, having him kick kick the ass of loads of different people to kind of build him as like he's strong and he can't compete with Brock. But at this point, you know, having him beat Rowan, is that really doing anything for Drew? Because it's not like Rowan is fucking this unbeatable guy. They've had Alistair Black beat him the last fucking two Raws. You know, it's not like he he was coming off this like momentum as the big guy because that that, that had finished long ago. Um, So they had this happen and then just out of nowhere, he fucking... Kills the spider with the steel steps. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> he certainly did. Like, for me, this felt very slapped together. I feel like they turned around and went, okay, we fucked up on the Rowan cage thing. And then they've gone, right, well, we need to box that off, get rid of that. And we need to, to do something with Drew this week so people don't forget what he looks like because we're all goldfish apparently. Um, so they put him in a match and then made sure that the whole spider thing was done and dusted. And I feel like it just felt very slapped together to box both things off to go, right, well, that's a tick for, for Drew being on the show and looking strong and that gets rid of the, the really poor fucking decision we made. And that's all it looked like to me. It, I don't think it was ever intended. I think It feels like a really rushed last minute fucking thing that. I think, like, because I'm, I'm, I'm quite a big Drew Mark, and if anything, this this pissed me off because I, I wanted to yeah. see them do something with that fucking spider. So if anything, it made me dislike Drew because I was just like, why the fuck have you just killed the spider? <laughs> well, that's the thing. It was actually almost a dick move because Drew's not being booked as a heel. Exactly. So, like, imagine any other scenario. Let's take away the fact that it's a stupid fucking gimmick and, and it's a toy spider, right? Imagine... You have a match with Drew. You're like, yeah, I'm a wrestler and I'm going to wrestle Drew. He's a good guy, right? And then you lose the match. And then he's like, you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to kill your dog. <laughs> like, the fuck is that? <laughs> That's a proper cycle, really. <laughs> I think um, I'd, I'd, I'd actually, yeah, I'd, I'd quite like to see that, to be fair. <laughs> just, just goes rogue. You just you just have a, a little um, a little cutscene to um, in fucking Minnesota somewhere or Canada wherever Brock lives now. Um, he's just <laughs> Drew just sneaks in and just fucking <laughs> claymores his dog in the head. Ah, uh, that. That's the, this is the trouble I've got with it. It's like it's such a heel thing to do. If you pull away from the fact that it was a mechanical spider, he's just killed his pet for no reason. <laughs> this is just a weird bloke who likes to bring his pet to the ringside with him and Drew's like yeah I'm going to kill it yeah it just it was really kind of weird it it was just it was awful that um, and fair dues maybe they have thought okay we fucked up the what's in the cage storyline but fucking hell just stick with it For, just stick with something they always just bottle it yeah. Just finish your fucking storyline for once. <laughs> That's it. It's like, you know, do do something funny with it, or you know what I mean, and and then get rid of it. They just they've had it going on for so long. Fucking showed it once. It was you know a bit cringy, and then they just literally murdered it. Literally, then the fucking week after. Do you know what? Right, 
straight away, and again, this is one of them things where I think I'm I'm saying something that's like really good. Um, right, all they have to do to to sort of slightly fix that for me, for me, because it could be shit, right? Is have like somebody, some sort of comic relief, right? Have Rollins or somebody even, right? Just sort of go over and acknowledge it's a fake spider anyway, and put his hand in, right? And it'd be a real tarantula that time. Well, yeah. And he proper loses shit, right? And then at least that'd get a chuckle out of me. Do you know what I mean? Because well, we all know it's a fake spider, so have somebody acknowledge that, and then turns out Eric was just screwing with them, and there's real spiders in there or whatever. Something like that. Yeah. Anything they could have done anything with it other than going, well, that didn't work. Let's let's literally squash that. Well, exactly. Um, they could have even had him fucking preach to the spider and try and convert it to, you know, be be part of the fucking <laughs> messiah thing. You know, they could they could, could have done exactly, anything yeah. with it. Could have went anywhere, and they just shit the bed. And it's like they really did. I don't think we're going to see Eric Rowan now for a while because that that was the thing that was getting him TV time. They fucked it up. They killed the spider, so he's gone now, isn't he? Let's let's be honest. He's not going to be. Yeah, there's nothing for him. Yeah, it's a shame as well because if it was uh, like Seth Spider, they'd probably had a fucking eulogy this week. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, a very very unusual booking, and I feel like again, I feel like it was just slapped together to get rid of a couple of problems. Yeah. Um, so I was I was quite disappointed in that. Um, and the next match they put on was the uh, Kabuki Warriors. Um, Against Liv Morgan and Natty, which made fucking zero sense. Yeah, again, like, another one. It's like, we need a tag team. There you go. Yeah, like, I, I don't understand where that's come from at all. Yeah, but okay. and if they hadn't have randomly made Liv Morgan hate both Sarah Logan and Ruby Riot, maybe they could have put one of them in there with her. Well, exactly. And then obviously Ruby Riot comes you know, down to the ring. An actual tag team. You know, just just to watch. You know, she's not getting involved. Blah blah blah. Ends up in a distraction. Then fucking Sarah Logan gets involved as well, and then them three end up, you know, brawling, which distracts um, Natty, who ends up losing the match. So I, I don't yeah, really I, I mean, don't really know where they're going with this this um, triple threat thing. Yeah, so I wasn't overly invested in Ruby Riot feuding with her for, sort of out of nowhere anyway. But then Sarah Logan just randomly going "Me too" is kind of weird. Yeah, and uh, it's not even like she's on anyone's side. She had a had a bit of a tussle with Ruby Riot as well, so it's like they've all fallen out. Yeah, it just it, and it, it for, feels lame. But it's such a progressive company. It was like women's revolution. We're here, like oh, bloody women, eh? They can never get along. <laughs> like what the fuck? Well, that's it. And I, I feel it's I feel it's bad for Liv because I thought I thought since since she came back, you know, a gimmick was really good. Um, like the weird little facial expression and stuff that she pulls is quite good. Um, she's get you know she's improved in the ring as well. I thought she put in a good show in at the chamber in the the short amount of time she was in there before she got fucking thrown into the side yeah. cage. Um, so it's just a shame I think to see her in this because she got brought back to be involved in the Lana thing, which was obviously shit hot like at the time for some reason. Yeah, and um, now it's like oh no, she's not. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> But to me, I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. Like, they, they sort of let her mature as a person and as a wrestler. So it felt very organic. And, yeah, they've just fucked it up. Booked it wrong. Same old story. As uh, as WWE like to do. 
Um, but yeah, it, uh, again, I mean, I'd, I'm finding the Kabuki Warriors weirdly captivating at the minute because I have no idea what they're saying. But God, they're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking they're crazy, aren't they? They're, you know, they're, they're, they're it's never, fucking weird, man. Like, can they not just come out and just speak at like a normal volume? It's like they're always like, ah, nah, 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 nah. fucking. She looks fucking scary. Um, ask her. Yeah, yeah. Scary. I mean, the uh, makeup's run quite a lot. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> now it's like, um, and again, I won't talk too much on it because uh, it's a SmackDown thing. But even this week on SmackDown, it was like it's not just coming out and doing stuff. It's like kind of weird, but to the point where I'm like, what are they doing? It does catch your attention, but I don't know, probably not for the right reasons. She's like, well, that's fucking strange. Yeah. No idea. But at least they're a proper tag team. They have a name and everything. Well, that's it. And, you know, they've, they've got put together because they're both Japanese, which is how all good tag As teams the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's ah, WWE, man. They're so behind the times, aren't they? Yeah. Just I can just see it now. Vince just sat there like, "Well, you're both black guys, tag team." <laughs> I'm confident that's what they did with the Street Profits, anyway. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it's just yeah, diversity. They don't like it. No, not at all. But yeah, so that match, that match happened for some reason. Yes. Okay. Then going on to. Um, Another promo, so this time it was AJ um, cutting a promo on The Undertaker, and God, it was a bad promo. <laughs> ah, I hate to say it, Carl, this is where you and me are going to differ in opinion. Oh, no. Believe it or not, I enjoyed this. Did you? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, right? Because I've heard that the Taker we're getting at WrestleMania is not going to be dead man. It's going to be American badass or biker taker, essentially. Now, a lot of people might not like this, but it tweaks my nostalgia because that was the taker I had when I started. When I started watching WWE in the Attitude Era, that was the taker I had. And it just, I like that. But on top of that, it lets it get to this sort of point of like, and this isn't reasons to like the promo, but the fact that the let and take be a person is useful because now you can see him on social media. You can see him act like a person. He's not, he's, he's a strange man. Um, but not strange. That's mean really, but, uh, undertaker, he's a dedicated person. So when he's in character, I've heard that when he, when he's being, the you know the, the the proper undertaker the undead you know he doesn't really interact with people he stays in character as it were but when he was the American badass he'd happily interact with the audience and stuff and you can kind of see that when you watch old shows but um, it lets him be be human and have a wife and be around on social media and stuff without ruining sort of kayfabe as it were and it makes sense because he's a he's an old fashioned wrestler so kayfabe's important not like you know thrown out the window like it is these days. But um, it let the feud get a bit more personal and it makes it a bit more... For me, it makes it a bit different. Everyone's gone up against the dead man. Whereas, you know, AJ's almost going up against Mark Calloway. Uh, I'm intrigued. I, I like where they're going with it. And I don't mind AJ on the mic. He's not the best I've ever seen. But 
uh, it, it was good. I enjoyed it. I actually, I'll honestly say, I enjoyed that promo. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a problem with promos where they try and kind of break the fucking break the fourth wall and they start referring to people by their, their real names to be edgy and, you know, oh, by the way, he's got a wife, you know, Michelle McCool, yeah. And like, and it didn't even make sense. He was like, oh yeah, he, he only he only does stuff because of air. And it just, I don't know, I don't know what he what he was even trying to fucking say. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I haven't heard this um, rumour of him coming back as the American Badass, which... If he does, it'll obviously be interesting. I'm not really sure how they would transition that since he's been showing up as the dead man. You know, is it because of this promo he's just going to change his mind? I don't really know. Yeah, how that's a, play that's that a fair point. Um, but I don't know. It just did, it just didn't make sense. It didn't do anything to to escalate the feud. It just it just made wrestling look silly. You know what I mean? It's like, well, actually, yeah, he is just a guy called Mark Calloway. Why is he? Why does he come out with a fucking dressed like an undertaker and believe he's dead. You know, do we not need to get this man some fucking psychological help? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, just, I love I, it. That's, I, that's a fair point. So, I, I don't know. I mean, he's... the promo itself, I don't think was was bad from AJ, but I just, the kind of, the tone of the promo where it was making it all real, real lifey and he's like, he didn't have to go that far. Like, he could have just said like, oh, well, you know, undertaker, I would have been scared you know, to call you out a few years ago, but you're an old broken man now, but that would have been fine. But it's like, but yeah, you're Mark Calloway and your wife's Michelle McCool. It's like, well, what's that got to do with anything? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, and I'll still stick with what I'm saying that I enjoyed the promo, even though I'm going to be slightly critical at this point. Um, for starters, I think ever since CM Punk uh, done that shoot with uh with Triple H, where he's like, this is Phil Brooks talking to Paul Levesque and stuff like that. I think they, they love breaking the 4-4 when they can in that sense. Um, is that the 4-4? Breaking kayfabe. Um, but the Michelle thing, I do think it was probably just, there was apparently this this faux pas, wasn't there, where um, WWE put out a, a thing about women in wrestling and sort of excluded it. And then the Undertaker got a bit pissy by all accounts and mentioned it on his Twitter. Um, and then they sort of tail between the legs, kind of then edited it and included her in it. And I think um, they might be trying to pull her into a storyline, uh, almost as a bit of an apology. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but it just it seems odd that they're now mentioning Michelle deliberately yeah. after this this omission that pissed him off. Uh, and I think that probably buys into the whole thing of like, you know, he, he's clearly a person because you, you've upset his wife. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that wasn't uh, that wasn't a storyline that apparently, you know, he was actually... Uh, some people suggest that he doesn't really use the social media and that was Michelle. I don't know whether there's any truth to that, but um, he's not really on his social media a lot in, in the, the putting up statuses kind of sense, but he certainly did react to that. Right. So I don't know if it might be a reaction more than anything. I think I think I, that'll be interesting. I think the point you make about the CM Punk thing, where I think he did do one of his promos where he said, I think he said something like, "This isn't CM Punk talking to Triple H. This is Phil Brooks talking to Paul Levesque or, or something like that." Um, yeah, yeah, you know, which okay, fine. But for this one, he was just basically AJ Styles didn't go, "Hi, I'm actually Alan Jones." Um, 
AJ Styles <laughs> is just my ring name. You know, you know what I mean? Is his name Alan Jones? Yeah. Um, so. Wow, that's that's got to be the the whitest name I've ever heard. Well, there you go. But it's you know what I mean. It just it, that it, doesn't. No wonder he goes for AJ Styles. <laughs> that does not sound badass, even slightly. Well, exactly. But I, it's it's stuff like that which just which annoys me because it's not. Um, you know what I mean? If, if you're going to call the guy out and be like, oh, you're actually just Mark Calloway, then, like, I don't know, are you trying to be real? Like, in which case, are you are you being the real you, calling out the real him? Or, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. I take your points. And, like you say, a lot of the, the original promo could have still worked and would have worked because I enjoyed it, but I still would have enjoyed it if they'd have took out the stuff that you didn't like. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. There could have been something there that made us all happy. Yeah, but I think to be fair, if um, if you've heard rumours about an American badass thing, then I can see why, you know, um, that if if that is going to be true, then this would be kind of I can see how this would be the wheels in motion to making that happen. But um, with me not having any prior knowledge of that potentially being a thing, I just thought it was fucking just didn't didn't land for me. So you see, this is the problem though, because a promo shouldn't need prior knowledge. That is a rumour I've heard, true or not. You shouldn't need that information for that to work. Mm. So it, it, you could call it a fuck up in that sense because I I was aware of that rumor, and that helped. Um, so then that shouldn't be the case. So um, you could call it a fuck up for that reason, really. In that case, Although it was a fuck up. we might <laughs> we might get a bit more credence to to the rumor um, this week because I believe he's one of the people billed to turn up to the empty arena. Okay, interesting. Hmm. Um, um, yeah, so yeah, so and then we had uh, who's that guy who holds the 24 7 title, Carl? Why don't you tell us a bit about him? Ah, yes, Riddick Moss, <laughs> the man, the myth, Riddick, the that's legend. it, the, the chronicles, chronicles of Riddick, Riddick. Moss. <laughs> that was in sync, that was literally in sync. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't think they understand what a 24 7 title is, if I'm honest. They should have just called it the TV title. It's not just meant to be a title that only yeah. gets defended on, you know, every week on TV. It's meant to be a twenty-four-seven title. So make your fucking mind up. It's either the type of title where fucking shenanigans can happen anywhere and everywhere, like it was, or it's a fucking TV title, which is what you're treating it as now. Um, I understand they're probably trying to bring a little bit more, you know, prestige to it by showcasing it in proper matches and things like that. But I don't know. It's just it feels fucking pointless. Um, but this week he was fighting um, Cedric. Um, yeah, not the entertainer, um, Cedric Alexander. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was it was okay. It was another decent-ish match, but again, it's just I don't care. I don't care about it. Like I don't care about that title as a TV title because that's not what it is. It's meant to be the twenty-four-seven title, and I used to love the hardcore title back in the day with the twenty-four twenty-four-seven rule. And we, you know, just between you and I, when we've been chatting on on this podcast of you know unique ways that you can do things with that title. It just doesn't make sense that they're now treating it as a TV title. And it's it's not even like the the mid-card, it's like the lower card. And I don't even feel like they've got a proper mid-card title because the US title doesn't feel like that at the minute. So yeah, if I don't care about the mid-card title, I'm not going to give a fucking ounce of a fuck about the lower card title if, if it's treated the same. It's just another, another belt, do you know what I mean? That's the thing. They really needed to lean into the fun of what it was. They should have had, like, you know, Riddick, Cedric, whoever's got the title. 
Um, they should have had them at like Burger King and then suddenly having to defend the title and stuff. They should have just leaned right into what it is, but instead they're trying to legitimise it, I guess. But that's not, like you say, it's totally not what it is. We've already got a US title that needs a bit of help. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like if they're not going to lean into it, just fucking just get rid of it. Like, it, it's ugly as fuck as well. I remember when McFoley unveiled it and I was like, what is that? It was awful. Yeah, and... the green strap just doesn't help it at all. It, it, it's not a fucking good belt at all. No, it's piss poor. Um, so yeah, couldn't give a fuck about it. Couldn't give a fuck about the map. Yeah. Um, I don't really know who this Riddick Moss guy is, but if, if they're trying to bring prestige to a title, no offence to the guy, but if I don't even know who the fuck he is, I'm not going to care. So at least give it, at least put it on someone who, you know, you're going to care about and would actually bring a bit of prestige to it. Come on, you must know who Riddick Moss is. He's the man who changed the 24-7 title. <laughs> it now doesn't get defended 24-7. Oh, so thanks I, to Riddick Moss. I hate him even more, that prick. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that happened. And then um, the next kind of thing. See... I'm I'm not sure whether I tuned out a little bit at this at this point, but MVP comes out, and did he did he start yeah. did he start chatting shit about wanting to start as his own stable? Yes, he did. He he once again said that he is um he's, his in ring days are behind him, but he's still got something to offer, and he he said stable, but in the sense of like he needs to add some good quality wrestlers to his stable, um. So he never like out and out went, I'm starting this group or anything. But um, then, yeah, referred to the fact that Edge would be, because, you know, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Uh, a man who's next been surgically repaired, has quite a limited lifespan and is quite old, is the perfect guy to front your stable MVP. A man who's roughly in the same boat as you, but albeit in much better condition physically. Um, it would be, yeah, yeah, why not? Well, I mean, he's got. A, he's I got feel like fucking... he's actually genuinely trying to start the OAP uh, <laughs> faction. Ah, oh, they should. They should totally do that. The authors are paying the AOP versus the OAPs. That'd be amazing. Yeah, I mean, we've already got them. The takers there. Uh, Austin's coming back this week. Uh, we've already got Oldberg with the title. Why not? I mean, definitely. But I think um, I'm pretty sure <laughs> Edge is fucking way older than MVP as well. So doesn't make any sense if MVP's coming out saying my my in ring days are behind me. So yeah, I'm pretty fucking sure that um Edge is way older than MVP anyway. So if MVP's coming out saying, you know, oh my in my in ring days are behind me now and I'm gonna start a stable, why the fuck would you start it with someone who's fucking in ring days are also pretty much behind them? Yeah, it just didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, weird. And then obviously Edge comes down, um basically for whatever reason, saying he's gonna, he, he wants to find Orton obviously to get revenge for what he did to his missus and what he did to him, and then Orton, you know, tries tries to do the sneak attack and stuff, um, and then kind of retreats. Edge gets the spear on um, MVP, and then of course, why not? He'll fucking smash MVP's head in for some reason. So again, yeah, not, I really didn't like that. They're not doing a very good job of making you know the good guys seem very good I mean we've got Drew Drew McIntyre killing people's dogs um, and then yeah. you know you've got like an edge you know crippling old men so and these, yeah. these are the good I, guys I really didn't I didn't understand that mentality it's like the worst thing MVP's done to your edge was be a bit of a dick right and I, I'm totally with you there he was a bit of a dick but that man's got kids and you know kayfabe wise 
it put you out for weeks. So why are you doing that to someone? It's crazy. Exactly. It didn't make any sense at all. At the end of the day, he's he's come there to get revenge, you know, for what's happened to him, what's happened to his wife, you know, and he should be getting that revenge on Randy to use MVP as some weird pawn in this. Didn't really do the job of, you know, making, give, making yeah. him sympathise with Edge. You know, the whole point was he's just come back from fucking, you know, is having a, a neck surgery problem that meant he couldn't wrestle to now be in the green, given the green light and that gets taken away from him. He meant to sympathise with him and then literally the, the minute he comes back, he fucking destroys someone else's neck. It's like, what What the fuck? Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I can uh, I can imagine that conversation he's had with Beth later that night over <laughs> dinner. Like, yeah, I went back to Raw and got revenge, honey. I've put MVP in the hospital. <laughs> and she's just like, why? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, Randy got away, but don't worry, I took it out on someone else. <laughs> it just, yeah. yeah. Doesn't make I mean, any sense. Doesn't make any um, sense. I understand that they, they want to build suspense between him and Orton. They don't want to give anything too much until Mania. But it just, it, again, it's it's not... When he's not the heel, it doesn't make a bit of sense to do what he did. No, I think it's just the wrong execution. I think, don't get me wrong, this Orton and Edge you know, rivalry for Mania has definitely got the best build and the, you know it's got the most kind of story behind it. But I feel like this didn't do anything to help that. Um, if anything, it was just a. It just feels like every time they do something good, they just they drop that ball all the time. It's just a shame to see. Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? It's I don't know what it is because they do build up stuff really well, but then something just fucks it up every time. Yeah. So that happened anyway. So it'll be interesting to see what happens off the back of that. And then the final yeah. match or matches of the night was. They were building towards Alistair Black and Seth Rollins, which was actually a match I was quite looking forward to because um, I didn't really know how it was going to go because obviously they've been building or pushing fucking Alistair Black to the moon um, and Rollins, you know, he, he's not exactly losing a lot a lot of the time either. If he does lose, it's via tag team and it's Murphy taking the loss. So I was interested yeah, to see true. how it was going to go. But then, as always, fucking the tag team show happens, doesn't it? Um, and all those other fucking... Bellens come back out again. Street Profits are there for some reason. Viking Raiders again. It's just fucking shit, man. It's the same stuff every week. And then fucking Street Profit guy, I'm not sure if it was the rope shaker or the other fella, gets on the fucking mic <laughs> and then goes, we should make this an eight-man tag. And then Alistair fucking Black isn't even in it. So it's like, what yeah. the fuck? It didn't make any sense. The main event no. was fucking Rollins and Black. And then these guys come out again and go, no, you know, the main event of Raw can only ever be our tag team. So you fuck off, Alistair Black, and we'll have another tag team thing. And it's like, oh, my God. And no naturally, you know, cares. Alistair's like, yeah, right. Yeah, he just wasn't he's, he's a reasonable guy, old Alistair, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so, I mean, to be fair, he enjoys having a sit down, so that's probably what he did. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's just, just another shit main event, isn't it? It's another fucking another tag team thing, the same fucking people it is all the time. Who gives a fuck about the Viking Raiders? Who gives a fuck about the Street Profits? We only care about Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens, so just fuck the rest of them off. You know, you could have quite easily had a fucking Alistair Black and Seth Rollins decent match. You didn't have to have any of them lose. You know, it could have been a disqualification or something. Owens could have got involved, maybe. But fucking hell, why does every every fucking man and his dog have to fucking get involved? Oh, I shouldn't really mention the dog after Drew killed it, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, Drew. <laughs> um, yeah, 
it's it, it was a bit of a poor finish. I'll be honest. Uh, I think sometimes they go more people, throw more people in. That'll help, and it doesn't help. That, that's the only help. reason I can explain the Viking Raiders being there. Yeah, I'm just I'm just tired of it now. I think for you know to watch a show for three hours and then always the fucking the big build towards the end of the match, uh, end of the fucking show is all these fucking C list tag teams, and then you know Kevin Owens and Rollins somewhat involved for some reason. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm tired of it now. I feel like they need to just fuck all that off and just have Rollins um, and Owens just do do their own thing because I literally don't want to watch this fucking tag team shit again. Yeah, it's it's getting very it got very stale very quick anyway, but it is getting stale. It's just on repeat every week. It's just come on, you got to stop. Um, so yeah, so that was raw. Um, from a rating standpoint, I couldn't give it any higher than a two. Um, I just felt, I think I'm probably even being generous with a two. It's probably closer to a fucking 1.5, but I'll stick with a two. Um, I just, it was just so unmemorable. Do you know what I mean? The the, the key the key things that, that stood out was, you know, stuff I didn't even like. So it was like the Drew McIntyre and Eric, Eric Rowan match. Yeah. My head because they killed the spider off. The the AJ promo did me head in because it was about fucking Mark Calloway. Um and then Edge and Orton thing did me head in because he took out MVP. Nothing else was memorable and nothing else progressed any storyline, so waste of time. Yeah. No, I'm firmly in the same boat. I mean I was I was honestly toying with a three, but then you when you look at it objectively you go, There's a lot more misses than hits there. And even the stuff that I was enjoying, they've managed to do some damage to. So um, I'm fairly rigid on that. It, it's a two, being generous. Um, so I'm in the same boat. Nice. So, um, I mean, that's our that's our sort of talk and review of Raw then. Uh, should we move on to NXT, Carl? Are you ready for some NXT? Oh, you got five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm going to tear through this quite quick because, honestly, there wasn't a lot to it. Um, again, I'm probably being unfair. Anyone who loves NXT, you know, you might be thinking these are being unfair, and I'm thinking you've got bad taste in wrestling. So, you know, there you go. Um, so we started with uh, Keith Lee, who I, I do enjoy actually, versus uh, Cameron Grimes for the North American title. Um, I'll be honest, what I did gain from this match was uh, Cameron Grimes seems to be a pretty decent wrestler. Uh, I was getting behind him a little bit. It wasn't straight up just you know Keith Lee battering him and considering the size difference you you could have expected it um Lee obviously took the uh took the win but uh it, it yeah it was it was a pretty good match to watch um in terms of storyline I don't know what they're going for with it because uh they they then pushed at the end of it towards um Djokovic uh, coming out and having a bit of a back and forth. Um, so they're obviously building to that match at um, TakeOver Tampa Bay. But uh, f- given Grimes a strong show, and I'm not sure where that leaves him, he just seems to have like, well, there you go, that's that's you then, uh, which is a bit of a shame. Um, now, am I right in saying, Carl, sorry, you, you haven't watched NXT this week? I have not. I'm, I'm a right. terrible, terrible podcast host. <laughs> like the uh, second, well, I'll be honest with you, Carl. If you're going to miss any, it's going to be NXT. Um, I'm cursed with, with watching it because uh, 
we we flipped a coin, and I'm the one who reviews it. Um, <laughs> but but the yeah, it's it's one of them. Uh, I know you're an NXT guy from old. Do you know anything about this Cameron Grimes chap? Not at all. I don't know why I went very British with that. This chap, <laughs> this fellow, um, he seems to be going for a bit of the cowboy gimmick. Um, he he actually doesn't look, uh, without being disrespectful to him, he doesn't look much. Um, but again, he, he seems, from what I can see of him, especially in that match against Keith Lee, he put on a good show and he, he does seem to be a very good wrestler. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a good future there in WWE, um, to be fair. So if you're going to watch any part of it, I would recommend watching that first match. Um, then we moved on to Dakota Kai versus Mia Yim. Um, Mia Yim took the win, basically. Uh, and it was a build-up with this. They had somebody called Gonzalez on the outside who attacked uh, Mia afterwards. So, again, it's another match, very much like the first one, where the match that you're watching isn't really what they're building to. Uh, that seems to be a thing with NXT. Um, I don't know sort of whether that that, that 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 is the case but certainly the ones I've seen it's like yeah the match you're watching isn't what we're going for there's actually some bad blood between these guys and they're going to interfere and this is going to happen and it seems like shenanigans left and right really um, but again another one do you, do, you, do you know much of Dakota Kai or Mia Yim? I mean I've, I've, I've seen bits of them was this um, was this match meant to be like one of the eliminators for the takeover I think they're doing a number one contenders thing aren't they for the women because Obviously, the title's getting defended at Mania. So, was this what was this an elimination for that? Was it? Ah, uh, now, I uh, I don't believe it was. We had a match later on with Tegan Knox that was for the ladder mm-hmm. match. I could be wrong, but I didn't note anyone mentioning this was for that ladder match going into the number one contender. Right, okay. But um, we do have a match later on with Tegan Knox that that is for that. Um, this, from what I can see, was just a, a straightforward match with this an interference from Gonzalez. I think they're pushing to a match maybe between them two at, at TakeOver. Um, so I don't know if, that, again, oh, there's a bit of history there, a bit of bad blood. Let's let's build up another uh, Champer and Gargano, eh? but a female one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and... Um, just a, a little chuckle because it's something we called him accidentally the other week ourselves. The voiceover guy, or the announcer guy, uh, mentioned Gargano turning up at the arena and uh, I'm confident he called him Tomato as well. Uh, Gargano, <laughs> sorry, Tomato Champa. Uh, so that tickled me. Um, yeah, we moved on to Kushida versus Mendoza. Again, I, I only want to bring this match up uh, because it's noteworthy because uh, Kushida, if I'm pronouncing it right, uh, is fantastic to watch. Um, I've never seen him in a match before, but he, he's um, it, it's very engaging. It, it's pretty much it reminds me a little bit of when I first started watching matches with Rey Mysterio in before, obviously, he became very samey. Um, but yeah, it, it's just the technical ability out of Kushida is is fascinating. Um, have you seen anything of him on on either on the Indies or in NXT? I think I think I saw a little bit of him in New Japan. Um, I don't nice. really watch. I don't really watch a lot of um, kind of Japanese wrestling stuff. But I think I've seen yeah. some of his stuff. Uh, yeah. So I think um, I've seen some of his stuff in New Japan. Um, from what I remember of him, he was more of like a technical um, style uh, with maybe like a, some submissions and stuff thrown in in places. But it sounds like if you was, if it reminds you a little bit of Ray, um, is he a little bit more of a high flyer over in NXT? 
well, in a sense, it was almost like a combo of the two. It was very sort of technical, but uh, I don't know. There was a lot of flair to it, if that makes sense. Hmm. So, like some of the reversals or some of the ways he got he got where he was going was it was just fantastic to watch. It was it was fascinating in some senses. Um, so I probably I wouldn't necessarily call him a high flyer, but it's more his his sort of ability, this maneuverability around the ring is just uh, is interesting visually. Nice. Um, and then I just a quick mention for some reason Tyler Breeze was being interviewed, um, and he's looking mad different. I don't know if you remember him uh, on SmackDown, but uh, he's he's lost all he's not got the long hair or anything anymore. Um, so just a quick note on that. He was coming back to his home turf uh, because something I probably should have mentioned earlier. NXT, while still having an audience, was actually filmed in the Performance Center this week due to the, obviously all this issue with the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had a much smaller audience. Um, but yeah, he was he was sort of there, not doing any sort of matches, but then took a bit of uh, back and forth really from Austin Theory. Um, and so I don't know if they're potentially leading to some sort of match there but I've not seen Tyler Breeze in the ring for a while so I'm not sure what they're going with that um, or whether he's in fact going back to NXT or or sticking with Smackdown or is, is he even still on Smackdown I don't know I think he actually might have gone back down to NXT um, which I think it could be good for him really um, I, I he was in NXT when I was kind of like peak watching it um, with his you know his little selfie stick camera and his fucking fairy boots and stuff. Um, I think in, in his later run in SmackDown, he was more with um, Fandango, wasn't he? With the um, fucking oh god, what were they? The Fashion Police. Yeah, I forgot about that. I think um, I think he was doing that kind of shtick. So I think if he goes back down to his like his gorgeous or whatever his you know thing was back in the old NXT, then I think that that's where he was. You know, he was his best really, and the fans were really, you know, he was really over when he was in NXT. So. Fingers crossed and fair play to him if he has gone back down there, you know, and sounds like he'd be doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, he is, uh, I think he's got a lot of potential still. Um, he's not like old or anything yet. Uh, he's not getting to the point he's past it. He's not one of the young crowd, but um, it could be a good show. And I don't know if they're hopefully building to some sort of feud there, but uh, it'd be nice to see him in the ring again because, um, you know, it's, he's one of them people uh, where I've not seen him in ages. But then you see him and go, oh, yeah, what's he been... And, and, you know, it'd be quite nice to see him back in action, to be fair. Yeah, definitely. Charlotte thinks that she will, in fact, beat Rhea. Um, so, no. big revelations happening on NXT. Big revelations. Um, <laughs> but all joking aside, there was a little bit more to this one than happened on Raw. As um, Charlotte then sort of... You know, there was a bit of a bit of a. I don't want to say Charlotte battered her, but basically that's what happened. Uh, there was a, a no, there was a bit of back and forth, but Charlotte definitely got the better of her. She done like this um, sort of. I don't know if it's technically a figure four, but she done like a, a bit of a leg lock on the um, the ring post. Um, and you go, you know, when you go, are they going to suggest that Rhea's going into this with a with a bad knee now or, or so? I don't know what they were going for with that, but she definitely got the the upper hand. Um, and I don't know if again that might just be pushing to, to I, I'm a bit intrigued. I'll be honest now because you know it'd be interesting if Charlotte won in a sense because she's a, a raw wrestler who's got the NXT Women's title, but then it wouldn't help Rhea. So you, you imagine that they want Rhea to win it, but uh, they certainly haven't haven't made her look strong there at all. But maybe that's the point that she's going to surprise everyone at Mania. I don't know. But um, there was a little bit more to it, but it was a bit more of the same as we saw on Raw, really. 
Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, then we had, uh, I think I mentioned it briefly before, but we had Tegan Knox versus Perrazzo. Again, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, another woman. Um, so, obviously, Tegan Knox and uh, this Perrazzo did not answer. Um <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in there. I wrote it down before and I was quite proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tegan Knox got the better of it. She's now uh, going to be entering the ladder match. Um, I think there's still a, a spot left, potentially. Uh, so, this ladder match is going to be done at uh, NXT TakeOver to determine the number one contender for the women's title. Obviously, because no one on NXT can challenge for the women's title at uh, TakeOver. So, you know, they have to do something. Uh, I mean... Interesting having a ladders match. It'll probably be a good match to watch. Uh, I believe there's some good talent in there. So, um, you know, fair enough. Atiga Knox is another one. I don't know her. They seem to be booking her as a, as a fairly strong wrestler. She seemed, uh, from the brief match I saw, she seemed all right. Um, do, do you have any, any history with Tegan? No, none. None. Right. I think she's probably one of the one of the women in the Rumble. I think that Perazzo or Perazzo, whatever it was as well. Um, so yeah, I think probably the yeah. fat. <laughs> um, but no, I don't. I don't know much much about them. Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, this is probably where we fall down a little bit with NXT because they are newer talent coming in, so we don't get to know them very well. But um, yeah, they certainly seem to be booking a strong. So we will see how how that ladder match goes. Um, so we had the undisputed era then coming out to the ring. They. Uh, I, I don't know, going to have a match maybe, something. Um, and then the Between Dreams music hits, he comes out and he shoots on the fact that um, his interest was never in Roderick Strong. Um, obviously, he just knew how to get under his skin, but what he's after is a title shot. But obviously, Adam Cole's saying, no, you don't deserve one because, well, I said so, basically. Um, and then, by all accounts, we're going to have some sort of celebration next week because... Uh, Cole is going to be the longest reigning NXT champion ever as of next week. Um, so I imagine they're going to build onto that a bit further then and have uh, the Velveteen Dream uh, interrupt or do something there to provoke the the inevitable match at uh, TakeOver Tampa. Um, but again, nothing wrong with it. Good promo, good back and forth between the two. Um, Dream, is he's definitely got the mic skills. He's, he's, he's a talented fella. I can see him making his jump to the main roster soon enough. Um and then it moved on to a, a tag match with the, the Broserweights that had uh, uh, Riley, whomever. Uh, do, do you know the rest of Riley's name? <laughs> and uh, we had Bobby Fish and the other guy. Um, is it something o- O'Reilly, is it? Is it O'Reilly? Kyle O'Reilly? Can, maybe. Kyle O'Reilly? Do you know the, the other guy in, in, in that, <laughs> that faction? That guy. Um, they had him, him and Bobby Fish up against the Broserweights and would you believe the Broserweights win it was actually for the titles as well which is interesting But um, so they've successfully defended their titles and uh, yeah I still I still find it weird that he doesn't wear shoes you know <laughs> like mainly because it's like you're in a match with him right and you, you, you're up against Riddle and you go he's not wearing shoes and no one thinks I'm going to stamp on his foot. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the obvious thing to do? Um, and again, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I've yet to see it. Um, it might have happened. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it just it's kind of weird. It's obviously part of the whole surfer thing, isn't it? But you wouldn't think it'd be a very efficient way of wrestling. 
Mm. I digress slightly. Um, and then we end NXT, Carl. We end it with uh, Tomato Champa uh, and Gargano. Ugh. So, yeah, they, uh, they're not getting along and they are going to have a match. But before that, they have, like, basically, and I'll, I don't want to be too unfair to it. I just don't really have much interest in those two. But um, there was, like, a massive backstage brawl with them. There was a lot of good spots. They were they were fighting in the in the gym of the um, performance center. Smash mirrors everywhere, weights being thrown and stuff. Um, so there's some big spots. He, he kicked them through the, the barricades at one point and all sorts. So it was very interesting. It was good to see if you're behind this feud. I'm sure it was fantastic. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just like, yeah, you know, have your match and then call it a day guys. You know, I think, I think for me, it's, um, they, they've had, they've had a few of these now. And I think probably the reason why it feels so flat is it's always been better when tomato, <laughs> um, <laughs> is, is the bad is the bad guy, you know, because, Gargano plays such a, you know, a, a lovable kind of babyface character, the underdog and stuff, and to, for them to flip, do like a, a role reversal of that, it just doesn't make any sense, especially when you look at the history of what happened between them, where, you know, um, Tomatoes absolutely fucking nearly ended uh, Gargano's career several times, you know, as the bad guy. So, like, I'd, I know I didn't watch it this week, but I, I would struggle to have sympathy for Gargano as a good guy. Uh, sorry, uh, Tomato as a good guy. Um, well, in it's this. funny you say that, you know, because that surprisingly is sort of how they're booking Gargano's motivation. He even shoots on this saying, like, he's come back after an absence and he's all daddy's home and the crowd are getting behind him unjustified. Why? And, you know, half of his moaning is the fact that why are you suddenly behind him now? Um, so it's almost like even he's going, well, why is he not a heel? What the fuck? Do you know what I mean? Hmm. But so um, it's it's interesting you say that because it, it does feel like the the roles are reversed in the wrong way, but um, it's almost like as I say, Gargano is acknowledging that as to the reason why he's a bit pissed off. Mm. But um, again, it was it was a decent um, end. One thing I never like with these things, um, and again, you can correct me if you disagree, because uh, we've seen it before on the main roster. So I'm not just blaming NXT for this, but the fact that. Um, Tommaso and Gargano got more screen time than the actual NXT champion. And that feud. I find that strange. It's like, you're the top guy, but you're not. <laughs> you know? But uh, just a little side note I wanted to mention, because I find that really strange when that happens. Yeah, that's an interesting one, that really. Um, especially if, if Adam Cole's going on to be like the, the longest reigning champ and stuff. Yeah, he so might get a not... bit more bit more screen time next week because he's apparently going to have a bit of a celebration. But um, yeah, he, if you compare the two sets, of, like they closed the show out and they got, I think they got nearly half an hour um, for that. With them closing the show, just battering each other backstage, which is weird because, like again, in a kayfabe sense, no one booked for them to attack each other. So there should have been a match, surely, for the last half an hour. But no one acknowledges that bit. It's like, yeah, no, we were just gonna have some quiet time, so it's a good job they fought each other, really. Um, yeah. I, anyway, overall, NXT, I'll give it a three. It wasn't bad. It was probably better than Raw was, if I'm honest. Um, but 
yeah, there was I, I, some of the booking decisions are strange, or some of the way they just like constantly like to go. Well, this don't worry about the match that's happening. Worry about what's gonna happen. This guy's gonna run in, or this match is. It seems to happen a lot with NXT, but um, yeah, not not too bad. I'll give it a three. Okay. So, do you want to go into AEW Dynamite? AEW, AEW. Um, yes, let's do it. Um, let's do it. So this week, <laughs> this week, um, kicked off. Well, they did like um, they did a rundown of all the matches that were gonna gonna take place, um, and they announced the um, the Hangman Page um, was going to be in a tag team match, but not with Omega because apparently he'd broken his hand or his wrist or something, um, which I thought was was odd, but okay because I, I I wasn't aware of that. Um, so he was going to be he was going to have a mystery mystery partner, um, and this was like who's that going to be? Um, but then the first match of the night was. Um, was Cody versus Ortiz, um, and this was obviously we've got blood and guts. Um, the next week, where it is the inner circle versus um, the elite. So obviously, the this week's dynamite was very heavily built around around this feud. Right. Um, so Cody and Ortiz um, kind of start off, and then randomly halfway through, um, you see Jake, um, and he's with Lance Archer. So unfortunately, it wasn't um, Brody Lee um, or Luke Harper, as we had speculated. But it was Lance Archer, as we also did speculate. So, yeah, a little bit of a shame, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, because... it's probably more specifically for you and me because we we know Brody Lee better. But um, you know, it, we'll we'll hopefully they, they still book it right and it builds well because uh, I'm going to have to get to know Lance Archer now. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see where it goes because obviously he brought him in. He's trying to start something up with Cody, but you know, Cody's got his hands full at least for the next week with this um, blood and guts um, match that's going on. So um, seems strange to bring him into it now, I guess. But fair, fair dues. Um, so he kind of was around, um, and then I can't even remember how this match ended, but I remember. Um, I think I think the guys come down um, and start a bit like the rest of the inner circle come down and start beating up Cody, um, and then the elite kind of run down, but it wasn't like all of the elites. So notably, um, Hangman um, didn't bother to turn up, which I thought was interesting because he clearly shows that he doesn't really give a fuck about Cody, which is is interesting. Um, yeah. But only one only one of the young bucks was there. Um, I think it was it was uh, Matt, Matt Jackson. Um, was there, but then Jericho comes on the screen and basically says, um, "Oh yeah, you might notice that um, Nick Jackson's not there. It's because basically we've uh, we fucked him up, <laughs> and it kind of cuts cuts out, and they've um, you've like crushed him on a garage door. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so um, yeah, so basically he's uh, taking taking the elite out one by one. Um, so that was like ooh interesting." Um, so that happened. That was that was the how it kind of kicked off, and then the next match was um, the alien woman, uh, Chris Statlander, um, and Shira in tag team action against Nyla Rose and B Priestley. Um, yeah, didn't didn't really. It was it was, it was a nothing match really. Um, I don't think it did anything anything for um, Statlander. That's for sure. Um, 
I, I don't know. I don't know where it goes. I feel like they were, they were trying to build up for a while. Um, you know, Nyla versus Statlander, or you know, build up someone to be the number one contender. But yeah. you know, this this match certainly didn't do it. Um, you know, she's beaten uh, Statlander and Shearer now already. So it's kind of well, who is who is going to kind of compete with her? Yeah, bill. it's an unusual decision, really. I um, I thought they were definitely building behind Statlander, um, and it would have been a good one to build behind. I'm not a big fan of the whole alien gimmick thing, but we've seen worse gimmicks on people before. And um, overall, though, she's a really good wrestler, and it would have been would have been a good match to watch had it, like you say, had they not have made an unusual decision here, really. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It, it it was just a bit of a nothing match for me. I wasn't really into it, to be fair. Um, so that that kind of happened, and then there was another tag team match that followed that. So um, well, it was a three on three trios match. So it was the Jurassic Express, um, so Luchasaurus, uh, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt, who were taking on um, MJF and the Butcher and the Blade. Um, it was actually a pretty good match, to be fair. Um, I just I just love MJF. He's just he plays such a little weasel. He's just such a little shit house. Um, and like it, he just does, does little things where he's dead arrogant and dead cocky. Um, you know, if, if he's fighting the smaller guys, but then there was like a, a moment in there where he's like dead arrogant and stuff. But Luchasaurus has tagged in behind him, and then like he kind of turned around, shits himself, and tags out straight away, stuff like that. Um, I just think he's a really good character, MJ. No, I, I agree. I think um, he makes her a good heel. I was actually reading something earlier today, um, in which they were talking about the the failings of AEW. Um, so far, which to be fair, you can tell it's been written with a bit of a bit of a slant to it. Um, but one of the things they were saying that AEW is struggling with is having good heels. But I strongly disagree with that because I think MJF is a is a classic example of a good, like you say, a good Weasley heel. Um, and I think he's he's been booked so well up to now. Um, I, yeah, I I just wanted to mention that slightly because um, I think he's one good example. A really good example, to be fair. To be fair, that's a that's a really good um, note. I'm I'm not aware of that article, but I don't know how anyone can say that um, you know they haven't done a good job of building up MJF as a heel, especially because he is he is just a little shit, isn't he? <laughs> exactly. I think um, with all due respect, and uh, I don't know if we we can. I don't, I can't imagine I'm going to get another copyright strike for it. But uh, it was something I read. It was an article in Forbes, and. Um, it was they weren't they never mentioned MJF, which is a bit that puzzled me. They just sort of generally mentioned how AEW when they set up were saying that they're not really going to follow the traditional heel face setup um, because people don't work like that and it's going to be a bit more grey. And they might have said that and they might have made those statements. And you know, life can be a bit more grey, but that's not to say that they weren't going to have good heels. And um, one of the examples the the person who wrote the article cited was Jericho not being a good heel because he gets a pop from the crowd. And it's like, yeah, they love to hate him, though. He's still playing the heel character. Um, mm. But there was no mention of MJF, who's who's done it perfectly. So, um, again, bit of a skewed article as far as as far as I read. But, um, I, I, yeah, not to, not to digress to that, but I do totally disagree. I think they've booked... Uh, certain, don't be wrong, not all the bookings are perfect. I'm not going to be a fanboy about it. But um, they, they have booked MJF really well. Well, yeah, and I think even in this match as well. So you know, he he had, he ended up picking up the win, but not with ease. So he needed the distraction from uh, the bunny, and then it was it was Marco Stunt who he actually 
Um, I'm not sure, but I think he might have submitted him, um, actually. Um, so, you know what I mean? It's it's not like he's, he's just always the weasel. Like, he'll, he'll get the win, but he'll do it, you know, in such a shitty way, like with the distraction and also taking out the smaller guy. So, um, yeah, I just think, I think he's a fantastic character. And, and I, I really like the Jurassic Express as well. And I'm not massively, you know, into Butcher and Blade, I'm perfectly honest, but they're all right. Um, yeah, they think, do the job. Yeah, so all in all, I, I did quite enjoy that, but mainly for MJF um, and the Jurassic Express. I think Jungle Boy um, had a really good showing as well. He, he made the he made the hot tag, um, and was just kind of like the, the the crowd was really behind him, and you know he was considering his age, and he's not really been doing it for that long. I think he's got a really bright future. And then again, um, Luchasaurus just. I'd, I'd said on a previous podcast, he, he's I can see him becoming like the the main guy, and once again, he was just he was fantastic in in this match as well. So, all in all, pretty good. Awesome, yeah, totally. Um, and then on to another Britt Baker promo. So, I don't know. I'm getting a bit. I'm getting a bit. It's getting a bit stale, shall we say? I think. Yeah. Um, it's just more of the same stuff. You got um, Giovanni's out there. Um, you know. It's fucking coffee cup references and Starbucks and all this shit again. And then this time, um, Big Swole came out. Um, and I think uh, Britt Baker actually did a... Was, she said something like, the only only one relevant in your family is is your husband, uh, Cedric Alexander. So I didn't realise that uh, Big Swole and Cedric were a thing. But interesting that they referenced uh, a WWE superstar um, on, on AEW, which I thought was, was quite funny. Isn't Britt Baker seeing a WWE fellow as well, though? Oh, possibly. I'm not sure. Oh, it is the digress, but yeah, I, I feel like it is Adam Cole. And um, yeah, I just find that funny that she's uh, she's throwing a name out, but um, presumably Big Swole hadn't because I don't I don't uh, don't think she did. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like you say, it's uh, interesting that they've thrown the name out there. Yeah, but. Um, and she's not wrong I'll be honest well exactly yeah. I thought I don't, I don't know it's just the whole thing was a little bit same like I've heard that promo before and I've heard it you know a few times before so yeah hopefully it gets changed up a little bit um, and they went on to the next match which was uh, the first time I think that we're seeing Death Triangle in action um, so they took on Joey Janela and the private party um, and all in all it was good really good showing for Death Triangle I thought Um I'm actually really liking them as a stable. Um, I didn't think I would because um, it just kind of seemed a bit random that they throw them together. But I mentioned I was quite keen to see kind of Park as a leader of a stable. But I think they all put in a really good shift and a good showing. Um, and they look dangerous. Do you know what I mean? I think uh, yeah. they've released uh, a couple of new T-shirts on AW and even their like little logo that they've got looks fucking shit hot. Like I'm, I'm tempted to buy that T-shirt. So, and uh, um, are you buying that from AEWshop.com? That is AEWshop.com. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think I'm, I'm quite quite excited for it. Um, see where, where it goes. And then obviously yeah, the best friends. I think um, it did feel random, but I think it kind of works really well because Pac is the mouthpiece that they needed, really. Uh, so... I take your point, it did initially feel random, but I, yeah, there's a lot to like there and it could work really well and they do look dangerous. Yeah, I think um, 
they're obviously going going for something with uh, best friends as well. So obviously that's where it all started and packing um Orange Cassidy. Um of course, so yeah, yeah. Th- those guys came out afterwards as well to kind of keep that feud going. So um interesting to see what happens with that. And then the main event, um, so obviously I mentioned earlier that Omega couldn't compete because he had like a broken hand or something, but interesting yeah. how that didn't stop him from trying to make the save on Cody earlier in the match. He was fine to do that, but he can't have a match, but whatever, I won't ask any questions. Um, no. <laughs> so <laughs> the main event was Hangman and his mystery opponent against uh, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. And disappointingly, his mystery opponent was Dustin Rhodes. So... Obviously, nothing against him. Um, you know, I'm a big Goldie fan, and I'm a big Dustin Rhodes fan, just in general. But I don't know. I kind he's of more of a going to be something else. He's more of a golden oldie now, though, isn't he? Yeah, and I think like why why build up the kind of oh I'm gonna I'm gonna have a mystery partner or something, and then it just be someone like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I mean it, it might have felt, felt it might have felt random, but that's where you could have dropped someone like Brody Lee, in, and you go, know, wow, that was a shock. Exactly, and I think we saw how the before. connection could be made, but you know, <laughs> like I think, I think we probably can be a little bit unfair sometimes, expecting to pull out you know debuts and surprise people like every week, and obviously they can't do that. But yeah, they like are. If, if the surprise is going to be tough, you know, just maybe don't yeah. hype it up as much. That's the but, thing. That's all they need to do is go. I, it could have still been a mystery, but not like hyped up to the point, like you say, because uh, it it almost falls a bit flat, then doesn't it? Yeah, but um, you know the the match itself was quite good. Um, Hangman was doing as usual, you know, interacting with the crowd and drinking the beers. Funnily, um, Jericho did the same, grabbed the beer off one of the fans and was walking around. <laughs> he had a nice little um, nice little moment with with Paige as well, where they had like a little fight over the beer and. Page took it off him and drank it, um, kicked him in the stomach, Jericho in the stomach, and he spat it all out and stuff like that. So it was quite good. Um, I felt I felt quite bad that um, Guevara took another pin. I think he he's another breakout for me with like him and Derby, for example, the, the matches they were having. And I think he's he's probably been on the end of a few too many pins now. And you know, obviously they're not going to pin Jericho, but maybe just. I don't know. Yeah, did, the, did Hangman? Did Hangman need to win it? Like, what, we could could have pinned Rhodes. You know what I mean? They could have done something yeah. else. But now the um, yeah, they need to watch that. To be fair, because I, mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. I think uh, Guevara's definitely got something. He, he's he's the future of that company, really, in a lot of senses. Um, yeah. So yeah, they, they do need to watch it. I don't think they've done too much damage yet. But if they keep putting them on the losing end, it's not going to help. Yeah, exactly. And then I think um, after that match, the um, the inner circle kind of ended up standing tall again. Uh, Took t- the remaining uh, young book and um, you know the, the rest of the guys out with some with some chairs and as a nice way to build to the the ultimate kind of uh, match next week for the for blood and guts. So yeah, it was a I don't know it was a bit of a bit of a strange strange episode. I think um, they've done such a good job previously of building up um, you know big storylines and building up slowly over a nice period. Whereas I feel like this, this blood and guts episode of dynamite that, that, that they're putting out, it kind of feels like they've rushed into this inner circle and elite feud again. Like they've kind of reignited it from a while ago and just, but they've done it in the space of two weeks. So it just feels a little bit rushed. Um, but 
yeah, so I think trying to be objective around the whole show, um, I definitely don't feel like it was one of the stronger episodes of Dynamite, so I think we have to go middle of the road with a, a 2.5. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I'm probably going to land on a 3 myself, um, purely because it was, wasn't one of the best, but um, in comparing it to the three that I gave to uh, NXT, I think it was it was definitely uh, the same quality, if not better, um, for a Wednesday night show. So uh, I think I'll I'll give it a three. But um, I totally agree with the points you've made as to why it was a bit weaker than others. Nice. Right, so um, so we move on to SmackDown. Um, it was a very strange one this week, Carl. Um, I don't know how you felt about it, but uh, it's something really really strange and uh, surreal about them coming out to to no audience at all. It was proper weird. I think um, it's just so surreal to see, like to see, because obviously um, you see Sasha and Bailey coming down um, and they're still kind of playing up to the audience and doing the thing. And, and you know, obviously they can't not do that just because there's no audience there because they've still got gimmicks and characters to portray and stuff. But it's just, it's just yeah. odd to see them doing that to nobody. It was just weird. Yeah, I mean, uh, I imagine because it, it sort of makes me think: Is this what the performance centers like, where they have to pretend there's an audience there? You know, is it almost like like practice for them? You know, um, but yeah, it, it's something really eerie about it. I must admit, uh, and obviously they can't avoid the situation. They've done the the right thing as as far as the coronavirus uh, situation is. But um, yeah, I mean, they've obviously they've come out and done their promo. Um, Weirdly, they, they went over to commentary, uh, started giving abuse to, I'll make a mention that Triple H was on commentary with, with Michael Cole this week, uh, again, due to staffing issues and the like. But uh, they went straight over to commentary and they started referring to the fact that Paige wasn't there. And that was that was how they let us know. That That's how they let us know Paige isn't going to be there this week, despite being billed for it all week. And um, apparently citing uh, travel issues, again, I don't know if that's related to the coronavirus or uh, just that you couldn't get a flight out, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of travel concerns at the moment, so I imagine it is corona-related. But, um, yeah, so they addressed that, and then we had uh, Alexa and uh, Nikki Cross come out. Um, they mentioned the fact that they've had some strange tweets from the Kabuki Warriors, but no confirmation of a match yet, and then basically just said, so we're going to kick your ass instead. And then they proceed to a match. Um, now we touched on this earlier about the Kabuki Warriors and how I find them sort of fascinating and this is one of them examples because um, the match itself uh, I mean it's always a good match with Alexa Bliss but um, it, the match itself was just a standard match but then um, Asuka comes out and interrupts the match um, costs them the win and then just stands on the ramp doing a little dance <laughs> very weird and you know when you're like She's insane. Uh, yeah, it's just little things like that. You're like, I don't know what they're going for and I don't speak the language, so I don't even know what they're saying. But part of me is a bit mesmerised by it all as well. <laughs> yeah, I also thought it was weird that only Asuka came out and not Carrie Sane. Um, cause... See, I, I don't know. I might have been giving them a bit of a pass this week, but any time I didn't see someone, I was thinking to myself, right, well, they probably couldn't make it to California then. Yeah. Maybe it's just a, just mad to only have one half of the tag team there come out, but um, yeah, I I I wonder what the actual plan was if Paige did 
managed to show up because they were basically saying can Paige get through to Bailey or something, weren't they? That's how it was built. So I don't know what what the plan was. Yeah, I mean, um, Paige was uh, as obviously you know she was she was due to be here this week. She's put a note on that she's apparently due to be on the next one. But again, you can never predict what the what the issues could be travel wise or or the situation with the coronavirus in terms of um, people isolating and the like. But hopefully she is there next week and they get to continue with this book and going forward. But um, a lot of people are really hoping that Paige is going to make an in-ring return. I don't know whether that may be a bit pie in the sky at this point, but uh, you never know. Yeah, I don't... I think it might just be wishful thinking that because I, I don't see any kind of signs of, of that being the case or any kind of murmurs or rumblings I think it's just more well well Edge has come back now so that means Paige can probably come back too you know Daniel Bryan came back so you know Tony Page I think I think what's that's definitely fueled it I think the fact that we've seen Sheamus and Edge come back from very similar injuries and we've also seen Daniel Bryan come back from all the the concussion issues and that it it does fuel a lot of people's hope but um, I don't know it doesn't feel the same like when Daniel Bryan came back, you knew he was coming back in a sense, like they built it up for a while. Um, it'd be a bit strange if she just suddenly came back. Be surprising and it'd be fun. But it, I don't know, like you say, it's it, it probably just a bit wishful thinking that really. Yeah, so, I mean, if, if she does, obviously it'd be great. It'd be a great success story. And, you know, I, I, I'd love, her, love to see her back. But um, if if that isn't the case, then God knows what she's coming out to, to do or say to Bailey, do you know what I mean? So be interested yeah. to see what happens this week. But yeah, I think considering, you know, they've had to pivot and change plans from whatever they were planning from that angle, I think, you know, it turned out quite well. You know, they've they've set up the um Alexa and Nikki versus the uh who's it? So yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um yeah, and it'll be a good uh, I've, I've I think we've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast that we want, well, say we, sorry if I'm speaking for you there, Carl, but it'd be good to see the belts back on um, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I think that'd be a good way to go if, if the Kabuki Warriors are going to drop the titles. I think they'd be the best shout for it. Um, yeah, so I, I like to see that match. I do think it'd be a shame because I can already feel it now that that match is going to be a pre-show match on Mania. Uh, but it's better than no match at all. Yeah. I think it is going to be a shame, but I can't see any other, any other place for it. It's it doesn't it should, to be fair logically it shouldn't be any higher, but um, it's a bit of a shame as well, isn't it? Mm. Um, so just a little mention before any other matches, uh, I found it that Triple H had his go on commentary, and uh, it just gave me a bit of a chuckle because uh, it shows you that he has got a more awareness than Vince at least because he uh, he made reference to the fact that he's not very good on commentary. And I said, uh, basically, that, uh, well, a lot of people don't think you are either, Michael. And uh, that, that made me laugh. <laughs> but uh, he uh, he popped a few shots at Michael over the night, and they're clearly old friends, aren't they? But um, it just tickled me that, and it shows you that he is aware of what people say, um, despite the, the delusional approach that WWE sometimes has. But um, obviously, he doesn't get to make all the final decisions, so fair enough, you know. But uh, yeah, I just want to give that a mention, because it's going to be a chuckle. I, th- I thought uh, he, did, he did a fantastic job, Triple H, and I thought um, it was refreshing to see a bit of humour, like on on the commentary um, desk again, because I feel like for such the longest time it's just like Michael Cole's bland as fuck. Like they haven't really got Jerry the King anymore, and arguably he wasn't even that funny anyway. But you know, um, yeah. 
like my my kind think, of favorite yeah. era of wrestling had Bobby the Brain and Gorilla Monsoon, and those guys on on commentary were just fantastic, and it was witty and it was funny. Um, I totally agree with you. That's uh, the commentary is has been lacking something um, over the especially over the last few years. Um, for me, again, I I remember the the sort of dream team of of the Attitude Era uh, onwards where was the Jerry the King and Jim Ross, and I. I I thought they worked really well. I think they included Taz at one point and then it all got split up when they'd done the brand split and the like. But um, certainly, I don't know. There's just something missing now, isn't there? And uh, it doesn't help when you have somebody like Michael Cole, who I don't want to be too unfair to him, but, you know, there's regular, uh, you know, he regularly gets moves wrong. He regularly gets wrestlers' names wrong. Uh, and he often tries to push whatever little agenda WWE have got, like when uh, he's making comments about how we all should love certain people and so on. But, um, yeah, it was nice to see Triple H uh, not taking it too seriously, basically. I think it did help. It certainly helped the situation we're in at the minute as well. Hmm. Um, so then we obviously had this this interview with Roman. Now, uh, yeah, that didn't help. <laughs> Not a fan of Roman. Um, so he's obviously he's basically saying, "Why shouldn't I be in the main event? I work harder than anyone out here." And it's like, see, this is the problem I have, and this is what I was slightly moaning about before. You shouldn't be in the main event because you haven't earned it. And he tries to address that by going, "Well, I have earned it. I'm here week in, week out." It's like, yeah, like every fucker else. You're trying to point out the fact that um, the likes of Goldberg and, and Brock are part timers but a lot of other people aren't and it's not a reason to have a title shot. Like it, it, it really does smack of just awful booking when on the SmackDown side of it, Roman's gone, I want a title shot and gets one. And on the raw side of it, Drew McIntyre's had to beat 30 other men to get his. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, literally all Roman's done is he came out and went, I'll fight you. And then, yep. like, Okay. Okay. <laughs> and he's trying to say there an interview about like, oh yeah, people. I've had critics my whole life and and all this, and it's like yeah, but we're not criticizing you, Roman. This is the issue I've got. We're not criticizing you. We're criticizing the fucking poor book, and you just happen to be the person being booked. They they treat it like we have an issue with Roman, and that he's like pushing himself into the main event. So you're not, you don't have the ability to push yourself into the main event. They're pushing you into it with terrible fucking booking. And, you know, do you want yeah, to piss me off as well? I'm sure, they, I'm sure they mentioned at some point on this that on next week's one there's going to be like a contract signing, is it, with um, um, Roman yeah, and Goldberg so. to make it official? Yeah. It's like what? So it's not even official yet. So why the fuck are you promoting it every week if they haven't signed the contract? How can you be promoting it as fucking a match? Yeah. <laughs> so anything could happen then. <laughs> but it's the thing. And then uh, Michael Cole obviously references that it's being billed as spear versus spear, which is just fucking awful. I can't what believe a, they've a, gone all like all in on that. Like I said it joking, like, oh yeah, they're probably gonna go in to like oh spear versus spear. That's exactly what they've done. And and they're not even like a little bit like it's build is that and it's like for fuck's sake. This is worrying really that like you're actually billing it as the moves more memorable than the wrestler. <laughs> like, we might we might forget it's not like Titan versus Titan or Roman versus Goldberg would even be a better villain. But no, we'll call it Spear versus Spear because people will know what that is. It's uh, it's shit. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like the concept of it. 
Um, plus, it also makes you think that we're going to just see an ungodly amount of spears, which... Uh, well, let's know. be honest, it, it's unlikely he's going to be able to fucking lift Roman up for a jackhammer. You know, he nearly fucking died when he did it to the Fiend, so... We beg for spear versus spear. <laughs> Please, I want to lift another man. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, at some point in the interview, he refers to the fact that he's been groomed his whole life. That was a bit worrying. I assume by Vince. Um, yeah, you know, if you need to talk to someone about that, Roman, uh, you know, the people can who can help there. That's... Sorry about Poor that. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah I, I don't know. He just come across as a bit entitled and, and something that almost a heel would be like, well, why shouldn't I get a title shot? And it's like, well, why should you? Let, let's talk about the fact that you want to get behind the fans and, and so on. And don't be wrong, there was some good bits in it. He's talking about like what he's overcome and stuff, and I could get behind that bits. And that he's from a wrestling family, but then when he comes out with all that kind of shit, it's like I don't know who's writing your scripts here because God knows you don't make your own words up. Uh, but yeah, need to sack your writers, mate. <laughs> so um, yeah, so we had that. That was fun. Uh, then we move on to a match. Uh, it was Cesaro versus uh, Daniel Bryan. And they seem to be, I don't know what they're going for with this, as to whether the, because they had obviously this bit of respect between Drew Gulak and Daniel Bryan backstage. And then those three came along and were being dickheads and then it led to the match. But um, then obviously Gulak came to the ring with Brian and then there was interference on both sides. And I don't know if they may be pushing for some sort of tag match at Mania, um, which again, I wouldn't mind seeing other than the fact I'm not a big fan of Zayn or Cesaro or Shinsuke, really. It could be any opponent, but it'd be nice to see how they tag team together, Brian and uh, and Gulak. Uh, How do you feel about that one? Again, it just feels a little bit thrown together, doesn't it? It's like, where, where did this little feud come from? You know, like what happened to Braun? Like, is it only because of the the fact, um, you know, maybe flight issues and stuff like that, or is this the way that they were always intending to go? Because it just didn't really make a lot of sense. Like, I like the idea of um, Drew and Brian being being like, you know, close now, and like he's earned his respect, and you know, they're, they're both happy and stuff. Um, I like that, but I'm not really sure where the whole Cesaro and Shinsuke and you know Zayn fit into it. Yeah, it's um, a bit, a bit of an unusual setup in it, really. But other than the fact that they just like to walk past and give people shit, basically. Um, in a similar sense, the um, they had Jeff Hardy return. Uh, always good to see Jeff back, the high flyer as he is. Um, and then he ends up in a match with uh, Corbin because you know Corbin was there. But we had, but we had Elias with this. Um, sort of hassle and Corbin and uh, wanting to play the song and, and building towards a feud between them two. So it, it almost had Jeff as the sort of bit player to this feud, really. Um, again, Jeff took the win, as he should. Uh, and I think any time uh, Corbin loses is a, is a win for everybody. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. I don't particularly want to see a match between Elias and, and Corbin, but it certainly seems to be what they're aiming for now. Um, I think... The original plan was John Cena versus Elias, so he's probably had to do something. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just not a fan of Corbin. Basically, that's that's the problem with this. So any few of these in is probably not going to be the most entertaining match for me. I 
feel like it's only bad things for Elias as well because he's coming off um, a loss to fucking uh, Roman. So he's obviously going to have to get some redemption in his next main feud. You know, Hardy's just been over him. So if it is Elias, then unfortunately you would assume Elias isn't going to come out of that the victor, um, which is a shame because I think it'd be harmful to obviously squash um, Elias at this point because I think he's done well to kind of, you know, stand out and, and do all right for himself. So hopefully that isn't the case. I think um, just a note on Jeff, I think it was it was really good seeing him back. He, he looked he looked fresh. He looked healthy. Like I, I've, I've met Jeff Hardy when he's absolutely coked out of his face. Um, you know, he looked yeah, it was a good practice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he looked, um, yeah, he looked like he, he looked like he had his head back in the game, um, which is yeah. Good. I, I dare say, I dare say, he even looked better than when he returned with Matt at Mania. Yeah, I agree. He looked focused, but uh, no, it was good to see him back. One little mention I want to give: um, a bit odd that they called it, uh, the twist of fate the twist of fury. That was weird. That's really weird. That um, apparently um, Matt Hardy was getting a load of flack on him from fans. Basically, people thinking that he'd trademarked it and stuff. Um, and now that he's left, yeah, it makes you wonder what's motivated the change because everyone knows it's the twist of fate. It's been there for years. Exactly, and the twist of fury doesn't even make any sense. No, how do you twist fury? No idea. I'm sure um, Braun Strowman knows. <laughs> what goes on in the locker Sorry. room stays between the one and <laughs> um, yeah a quick mention because I never wrote it in my notes but I do remember it happening was um, Miz and Morrison doing a bit of a promo about how great they are um, probably not really noteworthy but uh, other than the fact that I think they played to the non-existent crowd better because they acknowledged that the crowd weren't there but then used it. Do you know what I mean? I thought mm. that that promo was probably a bit better than like Bailey and Sasha literally just pretending that they're, um, they give me a little bit of a chuckle when they're saying about like uh, the films, like uh, if anyone objects, say so and stuff like that. And then uh, obviously the Miz piped in over um, Morrison's film, which I honestly can't remember the name of his film. But there you go. Um, but yeah, not a bad little promo and surprisingly not much happening to it. It wasn't any big interferences or anything like that really. And then uh, the last bit, probably the main moment point for the pair of us here, Carl, was uh, John Cena turning up and having a bit of a back and forth with uh, with Bray. Mm. So how do you feel about that? Um, I don't know. I thought I thought it was all right. Um, I think Bray did a did a really good job. Um, I, I, I just think he's fantastic as both Bray and the Fiend characters. Um, but I did, I did really like the kind of angle that he, he approached it from. Yeah, I agree. I think the only thing making that promo good was Bray. If I'm honest, I don't, I didn't like John Cena. I don't know what the aim is here because I didn't like John Cena's speech. Um, it smacked of a load of bullshit to be honest because he's talking like, like he's never buried anyone and it's always down to the people's like choices and stuff like that. And it's like, no, I saw you bury Zack Ryder I've seen you bury every member of the Nexus you know when you want to get the shovel out you will get the shovel out so it, it does happen in the industry but he's trying to act like it was all about you know 
willpower. And I get it because he's trying to rebuttal Bray, saying that you know it's it's John's fault. But at the same time, it's a bit like, well, you're trying to ignore a lot of what's gone on in the past over like you getting, but because he's like, and I've lost to people, and he's talking about main event matches he's had at Mania. It's like that's not really the same thing. That's not really a Zack Ryder level burial, is it? Um, but uh, what I, what I struggled with is I didn't think John was coming out as the heel, but to me, I'm getting behind Bray at this point, and he's the heel. But I don't know if that's what they're actually going for. Yeah. That's- I don't think they are going that route with it, but it does come across that way. I think similarly to the whole Roman um, promo, for whatever reason, they're making the supposed baby faces in this come off as like entitled and up their own ass almost. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Which isn't really it isn't really helpful to either character. But I think you are absolutely right when you say that Bray was the one who made this promo what it was. I think. Um, Kind of drawing, drawing upon like the previous, you know, the previous stuff and the the previous mania match that they had when he was Bray Wyatt um, before the whole Fiend thing and stuff. Um, it did, it did do its job, I think. But yeah, Cena didn't really bring a lot, whole lot to the party, really. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And uh, you know, it did what it needed to do. Um, you know, we've we, I'm hyped for it, and I dare say, it actually has helped towards a lot of the damage the showdown did because I'm getting behind this now. And uh, the only thing I want to say on it is that if they if they book Cena to win, that is going to be the nail in the coffin for The Fiend. That, that'll that totally fucking ruin it. Um, I hope they don't. I hope he's going to come out with the win. But, you know, you never know with WWE. I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to assume this is the opportunity for Bray to avenge his loss um, against Cena. I feel like, you know, it's pretty pretty typical in the, in the wrestling biz to kind of, whenever you uh, you know, whenever you get get a victory and then you play it back, you usually let the other one um, take it. Um, so fingers crossed that that's what they do. But I think if if they do go down the the route of Cena beating him, then you're absolutely right. I think the fiend is fucked. Like to lose to Goldberg and then to lose to Cena after being, yeah. you know indestructible for so long then like it, the, yeah. the whole mystique is gone isn't it yeah they'll have just ruined it but um, you know fingers crossed because they have hyped me up a bit for that match it's going to be a good match yeah I mean I'm, and, I'm excited uh, oh yeah and uh, that is actually the that was how they closed out Smackdown so um, I'll give a brief mention because it seems like as I talk about it, it seems like a short one but you know, they did spend a lot of time on that Elimination Chamber tag match, which they sort of played through again. So um, you could tell that there was a, a distinct lack of uh, wrestlers, maybe, or, or ability to, to carry on any further uh, storylines or whichever. And I don't want to discredit them for that because they were in a difficult spot. So in terms of my rating, I'm going to give them three because um, for what they pulled together with uh, with everything that's happened, I think it was, uh, it was a good show. Um. I'm also going to give it a three. I think for me, it was it was the best of a poor bunch of TV episodes this week. Um, yeah. You know, I think for every other week when we've done this, I think Dynamite's always come out on top for me. Um, there's even been, you know, probably more frequently Raw, you know, doing a, a better job. But I feel like SmackDown itself... Um, 
considering all the challenges they had and and everything, I, I feel like it was it was still a better a better more complete show. I feel like more things progressed, um, and it wasn't just more of the same shit. Um, so, yeah, I think I think a three. Brilliant. So there we are. Agreed. So that is this week in wrestling. Um, so, yeah. So we have um, our other segments coming up for Ringside Report, and our last segment, which will be. Uh, uh, are we giving it a name yet? So we're we just gonna talk about it when we get there. Oh, we'll build the suspense. Oh, oh let's the... build the suspense. Uh, I'm sure I can put some suspenseful music in there too. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, what we'll do, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with our other segments.